1: Listen to The Butterfly King on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So just in case anyone's picking up on it, Lisa sounds a little bit different. She's in Montreal. We all have lives to live. And so she might sound a smidge farther away than usual, but her opinions are all still there. You're going to hear them.
2: Kara's being really nice. I forgot my cord, okay? <laughs> I forgot to hit record. I forgot the cord. <laughs> my internet's wild. I'm going to blame the VPN. I'm going to be like, I get it. I promise. Canada, this is all your fault. Of the Law &
1: Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable.
2: We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Dun-dun. So this is that's messed up an svu podcast i am lisa traeger and i am
1: kara clank and you guys know what's up hopefully we talk about an episode of svu the true crime it's based on we talked to an amazing guest who usually was in the episode and first we just chat and catch up and well, i
2: love that you said hopefully like hopefully we'll talk about svu <laughs> of course we will
1: <laughs> no i mean wait wait <laughs> Didn't I, I think I meant hopefully someone that was in the episode, but sometimes we talk to a writer or a director, which I also love. So I shouldn't even have said, hopefully they're always an amazing guest, (laughs) whether or not they were on camera or not. I'm being a little, um, a little bit of a on camera snob bitch. Um,
2: (laughs) I know you got really mad when that article was like, and they talked to extras and you were like, we have never talked to an extra. Thank (laughs) you very fucking much. (laughs) So I didn't
0: even like, notice. They talked pissed. to
1: crazy
2: extras. I was like, we've never talked to an extra. Like, <laughs> never. Um, no, sometimes I'll meet people in comics and be like, I could be on your show. I love SVU. And it's like, you can get cast first and then we can <laughs> talk. Like, are you kidding <laughs> me? Who do you think we are? Um. So,
1: okay. First of all, we did get an inside scoop from our mole on the inside of a Law & Order SVU that the titles with the 24 characters or 23 characters like that coordinate with the with the number of the seasons it is is over those days are gone I'm really... We don't need any more Did You Believe in Miracles? Question mark. <laughs> I guess. The titles are driving me crazy. Um, and so, just wanted to bring that to you first. Breaking news. Also, we are in the time machine, but we need to talk about this Peloton ad. It's like we got... We, I know it's like at this point when you guys are listening to this episode, it's been a week and a half since that came out. Two weeks, but... Wow, did you guys well, tell us about it?
2: <laughs> it's so thrilling. It was thrilling. And then I did see one or two comments on my Twitter that were like, nothing we haven't seen in Oz. And it's like, shut up. This is <laughs> as exciting, okay? If if only seeing someone naked one time was enough, then there wouldn't be porn and playboy. Like, what are you talking about? We yeah. want to see it all. And it it's was just also funny. Just He's funny. older. It's yeah. funny.
1: He's funny, he's older, he's jacked. And they do the fucking SVU.
2: They got the SVU voiceover at the end, the Law & Order voiceover. Like, Wait, we got su- other scoop. The Dun Dun? Right. Yes. That it's based on the sound of a jail cell closing. Yes, yes. Well, I had heard that, but I had also heard
1: maybe it was like a gavel banging, but it's the jail cell closing. It's like a, a, a stylized jail cell closing.
2: No, Maloney's hot. I'm glad I want to know how much he got paid. I want to know how many free Pelotons he got. Oh I want to know God. if he even Pelotons. I bet his daughters do. I don't think he pelotons.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, we have a listener that works with the daughter. And we're like, okay, you need to start building up that friendship so <laughs> that you can slip it to the slip
2: into the information about the pod. And did Lizzo have a commercial too or no? Or was that just extra? I feel like she had a Peloton one too, but I was too focused on Maloney, but I could also be making Oh, I don't
1: know. I haven't literally, I mean, this video came out six days ago and today in our inbox, we had like six more people sending it to us. Like every day we just are getting, like so many people are like, you've seen this, right? (laughs) Like, it's so, it's truly taken the SVU universe by storm. So yeah, I don't know. I'll Google the Lizzo thing. I don't know. Do you think he was
2: naked the whole filming or he had a little pouch on? I bet he's wearing one of those little socks
1: because you know what? Like, I think it's like, you can't just like, I don't know. I think on a commercial, it c- could that be considered like harassment of like the people that are around? Like to have your, just your dick out when it's going to be blurred. I don't know. I feel like you cover it up for other people more than for your, like for yourself. I don't know. Great question. If you worked on the Peloton commercial, we need to know about the cock sock. Please let us know. (laughs) It would be wagging.
2: Is that what you said? He was doing so many exercises. Like, I feel like the blur would be moving. I don't know. Maybe Skims makes like a little cock sock and he was like really tight in there like shapewear. I actually was hanging out with some friends who were shitting on Skims hardcore. Lisa, don't say that I just ordered a Skims bodysuit yesterday. I hope they're good. They just said that they run really small. Like oh, everything really? is so small. Cause I did read that Chloe was like, no one's pussy is that tiny. Please make it bigger. But that's all I thought that was just like for press. <laughs> but um, someone that I don't even know who I was with. They were just like, they're so tiny. I we'll literally just posted. bought it. I just bought like a bodysuit thing because well, I know because like, I've heard s- great things. I've yeah. heard great things. I just heard this one negative thing that
1: there and I'm I was small. like, I'm gonna start um Shopping for a dress for my brother's wedding, and I might as well have shapewear and blah, blah, blah. So I just ordered it yesterday. So much of it is sold out. Like I'm ordering LXL, and a lot of it is like a lot of the colors are sold out, but I found one. So I'll report back. I'll report and you're wearing back a black skins. dress or what? Yes. My brother wants us wearing black.
2: That's not bad. Yeah. No. And you would, whatever you're going to get a jumpsuit? No, no, no. I think I'm going to wear a dress. Okay. Yeah. Short or long. I've never uh, seen you in a long dress, I don't think. I think
1: long is like a um, black tie thing, usually. hmm So I don't, this isn't black tie. So I don't think I'll wear long.
2: Okay.
1: You know, but I have, I mean, I've worn long to black tie. Um, I know, I hope you don't um,
2: get injured on the dance floor this uh, time, well, this
1: wedding. I, I wouldn't trust anything because my brother and I really like to fucking freak out on the dance floor. Wait, so. what
2: about his fiance?
1: Oh, he loves. He around. is like you know what he does so well, Lisa. He does the duck walk thing oh. like drag queens. He gets down on his at like on his like heels, and he does it so well. My future brother in law, Joe, great at oh, the so duck walk. Oh, it's gonna be a fun fucking wedding. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be well. I just secured the babysitters so that I can ship those kids off and start breaking my knee again. You know. <laughs> oh, will the babysitter come to the wedding and like pick them up? No, we're gonna put them to bed. And then it's just like a woman sitting there to like text us if oh, they wake up because we're all staying. I thought on the she's premises. a flower girl. She is. So she'll be at the wedding part, but reception will put her away. Got it, yeah, got it. Got dancing, it. dinner, and all that. I think the kids will be gone. So
2: yeah, um, I've been wa- I've been rewatching. I watched season nine to lull me to sleep of drag race yesterday. <laughs> also, I finally understand the pain of Canadians and the UK and everyone who's ever had struggles. It took me two hours to get the VPN working. I didn't know what an application... It was just so much. but now And now my question is, do I leave the VPN on the whole time consistently or only when I'm trying to watch things from America? Like, I don't know what to do. Well, like, do you pay, it pay for it
1: if you leave it on or something? I paid for one month. No, and then Casey is nodding this. no. Not leave it on. No, he's nodding that you don't pay for it. So you might as well just leave it on, right? In case you want to go anywhere because you might be going to other, you might be going to Netflix or other
2: shit that isn't working the same way. Yeah, but, and so many Canadian things had season one and then season seven on, but two through six is not here. Isn't that weird? Like what
1: happened? You guys just couldn't negotiate those five seasons? Like what's (laughs) happening? What's up?
2: I have no idea, but I finally, like usually I've been very dismissive of the struggle. And now I understand. So gotcha. I'm just here saying I'm with you. Obviously, <laughs> okay. So I did, I, listen. I will tell everyone. I have a very, very small part in Nope. It's very small, but wait, wait, I did, Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, you're, wait. You're glossing over it. You said Nope so quickly. Nope is the new Jordan Peele movie. This is yes. huge. This Pee- is huge. Jordan I'm Peele very movie excited. starring Daniel Kaluuya, <laughs> starring SVU alum Kiki Palmer, mm-hmm.
2: and featuring... That's Messed Up podcast host, Lisa Traeger. I'm (laughs) so excited to see it. So my hairstylist texted me last night going, wait, I saw your name in the credits, but she did not see me in the movie at all. (laughs) So that's kind of funny. But then I did. Okay, so I'll go from the beginning. I Since it's such a small part and Universal is being so stingy, um, I only got tickets to this the cast and crew screening. And that was very fun. It was a tragic moment. Um, That day we found out, whatever. It was like a tough day. I think I was too hot. Like, I had a good time. My friend was there. It was exciting, but I wasn't really that in it. And then I, they did secure me one ticket for the premiere alone. No party. I got into the party. Here's my response. <laughs> You're gonna get into the party. <laughs> <laughs> Well my agent goes they're only giving you one ticket to the screening but I'm sure you can talk your way into the party and I didn't even have to try that hard. I got someone gave me the <laughs> ticket and bracelet that didn't care. So I was excited I got to see it again. It's at the Chinese Theater so I was really, you know, thrilled. I showed up like hours early cuz I was so par- like scared. My name was not at the tickets. So I had to keep showing my confirmation email. I'm like, I promise I'm in it. Like it was humiliating, but then they're like, just here. And they gave me a ticket and I got to go in. I tried to get on the red carpet. They said, no, 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 no. (laughs) So (laughs) I went in and immediately I saw Bill Burr and Bobby Lee and like- People I knew. So that was really nice. And then Kalila, she was there as well. And I'd never met her. I just know of her. And so she was like, I'm not going to the party. You can take my ticket. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. So I got the bracelet. I sat next to a man who I know is famous because all these, there was a girl from blackish there. Like, there it was a who's who Michael B. Jordan. I saw Drove from Insecure. Wow. Um, well, where was the party? Oh, so the party was at the motherwolf. Oh, wow. I've been wanting to go there. I know. It's the hip place. I had a couple things. So at the party, Bobby Lee left immediately. I was like, hey, I'm going to like stay by you for a little bit. I don't really know anyone here. He left immediately. (laughs) Um, And, but he, so Nick Kroll and Ike Barinholtz were there and Nick Kroll, I couldn't believe he goes, you were my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) And so that was kind of funny. Um, (laughs) I liked that so much. Um, But, you know, I do know Lil, the comedian, and who is... In Get Out, who plays the yeah, TSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank God I knew him. I stood by him and his girlfriend for a long time next to, jo- next to everyone. So there's like a photo that Lil Rel, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, and Jordan Peele took together and I was standing right in front of it. And I wish I had the balls to be like, oh, let me hop in. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. The little boy from us was at the party and he was Ooh. so cute. And Ooh. there's a really little cute boy in Nope that is so cute. And he, w- like, he was at the party. And I liked, I liked the kids. Kinda. I can't
1: wait! I can't wait to watch it. I'm so glad you got. I want to go to that restaurant too. Ooh, I know. I'm well, dying. I talked to
2: the bartenders, of course. I was. I. I have not been alone at a party for a while, and I really had to like work out. I don't know. It was annoying. It's very <laughs> like.
1: I'm. I'm not fumbling. gonna be. I'm not trying to be like condescending and say hashtag brave but I do think it's like brave to be at a party alone I truly if that's me I walk in I do one loop I don't see anyone I know I'm out the front door like I really just can't I I, I don't have the I don't have it in me like I can't strike up conversations with bartenders like I just I need one person that's it so I I think that's cool that you stayed and Tiffany
2: Haddish was, I mean, I knew enough, but yeah. Yeah. And then I worked with some people in the scene, but of course they don't remember. So we had go up to these actors and be like, Hey, I'm the girl that, you know, I'm not going to ruin anything. I was like, that was me. We were on set. And they'd be like, okay, well, this is my wife and you need to leave. We're eating fries. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) But I was alone, just circling. I ran into some people, but you know, knowing Lil Rel is pretty, important. you know, that's yeah, yeah. pretty high I've class. Yeah, yeah. I love that with
1: Lil Rel at a premiere once, too. He's a very, very nice person and fun guy to hang out
2: with, I think. Yeah, and I talked. About, but the bartender told me, if you want to go to Mother Wolf, you have to make reservations eight days in advance.
1: Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say months or something. Eight days. Yeah. Okay. He said eight days, and
2: he was raving. He's like, I worked at a lot of places. They care, blah, blah. He was, the, the bartender was very into it. They had um a drink with, like, glitter in it and a cloud. There was a lot of... Whatever. Seeing the movie the second time, I was really grateful for it because it's, go- it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so good. The acting's incredible. It's suspenseful. It's funny. It's like, it's a great summer fucking horror blockbuster. Oh, I can't and wait. I, feel- I mean,
1: you know, I see his movies and I'm always like, do I understand that? Like, I love, I love them, but I'm, I, they make me think so much. I'm always like, wait, now what did this mean? Like, I mean, uh, Us was, like, really, like, but, like, you know, I got... Well, yeah, I'm gonna read... There's a
2: few things where I can't wait till the recap, like, the analysis come out, because I do have a couple questions about certain things, but... Gotcha. um, Not everything is super clear, but the acting is insane. It was just, like, really cool, and the special effects, I bet it's gonna win Oscars. Like, it really was... Cool, and it's exciting to have... Um, I took photos of the titles. What is it? The credits. But also, going to the cast and crew screening was really cool because I've never... It was cool watching the credits with all the crew. And so everyone yeah. was clapping. Like, it was a high school yeah. graduation. And yeah. um, it really takes so many people to make a movie. Totally. Uh,
1: credits blow my mind. like... At live movie credits. Have you ever seen what, like, sat through animation credits? It's just, like, multiple teams in multiple countries, like, doing all this stuff. It's, like, wild how many people work on a movie. Um, that's so funny that your friend didn't see you because Jared, the same thing happened to Jared. He's in the first two minutes of the movie Stuber, and he has, like, one line. And his parents were, like getting to their seats and they completely missed his part. (laughs) And they were looking for him like the whole movie and they were like, were you in it? Did
2: you get cut out? So. No, and it's extra special. Like being on set, like it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Like I just loved doing that. and It makes me want to do it more and more. But also... You know all the t- people we interview on this show. Like my favorite part is looking through people's IMDb credits and like seeing these like long, cool careers and where everyone started. So it just feels yeah special. It's very cool. So it's if you guys very see cool. me up top, I mean I'm, I'm I'm towards the beginning of the film. Yes. Okay. Everybody Let goes see know. Nope. Everybody <laughs> goes see Nope.
1: And I've been if you keeping watch... this a
2: secret for so long. I know. I filmed this last May or June. Yep. Wait. Like, a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And then they filmed all summer. I mean, you got, like, the amount of work that went into this, I can't imagine. They were filming in the desert, like, 12-hour days every day all summer long.
1: Yeah. I can't wait. Okay, I'm going to go see it. And Jordan
2: did call me Liza, but it's okay, as he hugged me. (laughs) Hey, you got a hug? It was like the wedding. Jordan Peele likes you? I mean... I was, yeah, I said, thanks for putting me in your movie. And he goes, Oh, Liza. And I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Liza. <laughs> Liza with a Z, baby. <laughs> it was a who's who. And I, I wanted to go up to, um, Oh, the guy from Hacks, the like CEO of, uh, Deborah oh, Vance's yeah. company was there and he was dressed great. And I kept wanting to go up to him and then I didn't, but. It was exciting. He was just beautifully. But it is when you get to these places, it's just like any other kind of part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, wow, a Hollywood premiere. But it is just like, here's like um, a little mac and cheese in a container. Yeah. And a bunch of people
1: like standing around in like small groups being like, do we know anyone else here? I don't know. Should we go? Like, Yeah.
2: (laughs) oh, I think I texted you this, but I did talk to one of the actresses in the movie and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Montreal for the Just for Laughs festival. She goes, I know about Just for Laughs and she learned about it from the big sick, Kumail and Emily's <laughs> movie. Yeah. yeah, I have to tell Emily that. That's so
1: funny. I would say most people don't know about Montreal. No, it's you
2: know? like the biggest thing of my, year. oh my God, I talked to one guy who's been a manager for like a minute, but I was like, oh, are you going to Montreal? And he goes, Ugh, I think I've just outgrown it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's been it's been on hold for two years. I know, <laughs> like, it's, just like, it's just people trying to be cool, and it's very um, yeah silly and annoying. Well, we're
1: cool, and we have to start our podcast. So yes. let's get our episode going. It's another heartwarming episode of Law and Order SVU, and a crime you won't believe. Stay tuned. All right, here we go. Episode three of season 20, Zero Tolerance a really heartwarming episode that aired in the middle of the Trump administration in 2018. I know, my
2: favorite was when Kara went, why are we doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Why did we pick this one?
1: But I always say that, and then we always end up having a good time with it. Um, Okay, so we open on
2: It's just hard because it's it's like, it was happening to— It's like, not to us, obviously, we were not, but it's like— it is weird when it's a full current event yeah. and you're in it and you're watching it and you're like it is ha- like it's just a lot.
1: Yes, it's like when we did the row episode. Like yes. it's like just ugh. yeah, it's a it's a harder slog than than um regular crimes against people. Yeah, if someone's um,
2: good and long and dead, who cares? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we open on Rollins in her apartment with her daughter, Jessie, living my fantasy of getting a child to eat broccoli. I don't understand. She goes, Jessie, eat your broccoli. And Jessie's like, okay, and just starts eating broccoli. What the fuck? What a magic trick. Um, she gets a knock at the door, and it's Dr. Al Pollock, And he has, like, the face of an actor. Like, he has the face of like, um, another, like of another actor or something who I've seen my whole life, but it's not this guy, and he just has his face. And he is Amanda's on-again, off-again boyfriend. And um, I, in the previous episode, we found out that she is pregnant with his child. Um, and in that same episode, you see Rollins come back from the bathroom and, see, and find him giving his number to a waitress. So, um, you know like, when he comes to the door, she's like, uh, I don't want any, like, pretends he's a traveling salesman. And then a traveling salesman. I'm like, a solicitor. My brain is. There's a, that's
2: a, isn't death of a salesman? Door-to-door yeah. sales? I just don't know if that happens anymore. Death of a salesman. Well, like, anytime, like, on Shark Tank, when someone says they sold stuff door-to-door, Mark Cuban does, like, a really condescending, fake little clap. Like, he, they love a door-to-door salesman. They love oh, someone really? that gets out there and sells and nothing's gonna stop them. Wow. Like, if on Shark Tank, they go, I started with only three. Three hundred dollars, no investors. They're like, what? Wow. like they love a struggle, yeah, because they felt like they they struggled, sure. Wow, I could never do that. like cutco cut cutco knives couldn't no, be I was tricked. I thought I got a job, but it wasn't. I just like for my training, got in a van with a man and then we sold little like fake like weird Disney computers door to door and it was humiliating, and I didn't know how to get out. <laughs> my God. And then I never went back, but I, like, was so excited I got a job, and then it was selling things out of a van. Oh, no. With a weird man. But maybe he's on Shark Tank now. Who knows? We're in jail. Little
1: Disney computers. Um, Okay, so... So he's there with a bunch of sunflowers and he, she's like, you were giving your number to a waitress. And um, he's like, I was giving her mother my number because the waitress knew I was a cardiologist. Her mom's having a stent put in and just asked me to call her mom to assure her that it's all routine because she's nervous. And Amanda's like, buying it but she's like well then what's with the apology flowers and he's like well you didn't call me back about going to the van gogh exhibit so i thought i'd bring van gogh to you and i just don't think he has a trustworthy face no but
2: also why would the waitress know you are a heart surgeon why are you talking to her yeah shady a low yeah a
1: regular lunch spot i don't know i'm making excuses um and it's like he also previously cheated on her with an escort so it's like you know that's not it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he's full of shit. Um, So Amanda buys it and she does that thing where she goes, it's not really a good time, but then she goes back into the apartment and leaves the door wide open. So obviously, come on in. He immediately starts sucking up to Jesse, high fives. He's really laying it on like the dad routine, pretty thick. He starts reading her a book and like mooing with her. And Amanda's got this look on her face like, okay, maybe a baby daddy would be nice to not have to do this all on my own. And then we cut to a car service driver just driving through the city in the rain. He pulls up to a guy who's like frantic going my daughter is sick and then he goes and scoops this teen who's wrapped in a sheet off of a stoop and then they get in the car go to the hospital and when they get to the ER he fully put, just pushes this girl out of the car like the car's barely stopped and then just tells the driver to drive and the driver's like wait what and he's like just drive so very fucked up the car speeds off and we're at the credits very two different two different evenings happening for people Rollins is having her broccoli this girl's getting pushed out of a car. Um, so now at the top of Act One, the gorgeous Dr. Darby Wilder, played by Ivana Kopax Wright, is giving the rundown to Vincent and Carisi. Um, she's like, yeah, I'll send you guys the security footage. The girl wouldn't let us run a rape kit, but there's obvious signs of sexual trauma. And um, they go talk to the victim, and she does look very rough. And Carisi's like, uh, can we talk? And then the girl's like not really responding. So Olivia goes into Olivia mode and is like, hi you can call me Olivia. And the girl's immediately like, okay, I'll talk to you. And her name is Delilah. She doesn't remember how she got to the hospital. She took some pills and she said that Uncle Luke gave them to her. He's not really her uncle.
2: Yeah, Luke's a bad name. Mm. There's not a lot of good Luke. Yeah, I can't think of. Maybe Luke Perry. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah, Um, But Luke's like a gross, it's like Trevor. It's like just, it's, (laughs) it's kind of a bad name. Yeah.
1: We're gonna get some messages. Uh so she says, she says Uncle Luke would never hurt her, but then sent her, but he did send her on a date with one of his friends. So we're not getting a great picture of Uncle Luke here. And um, he never makes me go back if I don't want to. He loves me and it's like, yeah, pimp alert. We gotta watch out here. So Now we're at SVU and Carisi is updating Finn and he's like, yeah, the girl was groomed to keep her mouth shut and there's nothing on anyone named Uncle Luke popping in the system. What are you putting in Uncle Luke into the system? I don't understand how that works, but um, Rollins has the security footage from the hospital now and they watch the whole drop-off go down that we've already seen and then they can't make out the plate, but... Finn is like that's a tea plate. Could be an Uber or a car service. Let's send it to Teru to clean it up, even though that's not real. Um, and then next, Rollins and Finn are at a garage trying to t- track down the driver. They when they get there, the driver's friend immediately bolts, and Ice T goes, "Welcome to America in 2018," because this is right at the height of the Trump administration's like immigration terrorism and ICE and sanctuary cities and all of that. That was like really where they were, you know, cracking down, quote unquote, on immigration. Um, so they asked this guy about. About the driver about Delilah, and he tells the whole story. He's like, I thought it was this guy's daughter. I wanted to call the police, but... And Finn's like, you're illegal. And the driver's name is Chinia Iwobi. And he's like, I've been here 10 years. I have a wife and kids. You can't send me back. And then he said, like last week, he's like, I got robbed at gunpoint for $600 and I was too scared to report it. And this is like a huge reason why one of like these immigration policies from Trump were so damaging. It's like people don't report crimes. People feel emboldened to commit crimes against vulnerable populations like this because they know that they won't call the police. And people also stand by and don't help other people out because of what it could Mean for them and their status and their families, so it's really it's more than just like oh no, don't send me. I mean, it's like the, they're like they live, they are here and living and working and doing and and having lives, and then they're just living in constant fear of like attack. It's terrible. Anyway, Finn, the hero, goes, "Listen, if that happens to you oh, again, yeah. do
2: you remember during this in New York, like delivery drivers were getting reported by." Like, a military base they were delivering to. Like, people were reporting the drivers. And what? so then there was, like, a no delivery zone and all these people weren't delivering food to, like, these areas where all these cops lived and military people that were reporting. Oh, Jesus. I immigrants. didn't know that. I mean, I hope I'm not telling it wrong. I just remember being, like, livid.
1: That is super fucked.
2: Yeah, but they'll go, I mean, ICE agents were at the Uvalde shooting. Like, they're just, like, Ugh. the worst people in the world. I didn't know that. That's awful. Yes. Ugh. They um they show up. We'll talk about it, but they'll show up to any tragedy to like ruin people, or like they'll show up to people's jobs. They'll go to home. Like they are bad people. Yeah. Our friend um cut out someone from their lives because their husband was an ice agent, and she was like, "I don't want. I'm never talking to you again." Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Horrible. So Finn goes. Listen, if this happens
1: to you again, take my card. You call me. You know, Finn helping out people one person at a time Finn helps and then he the the driver describes the dude he's like he was a white guy 40s gray hair I picked him up on 25th street near the High Line next to a pizza place he's got a great memory for this ride I mean he should something traumatic happened (laughs) yeah Um, so they walk out and Finn is like on the phone calling Carisi to help him track this guy down and Rollins is insulted she doesn't like being treated with kid gloves when she's pregnant we know that she basically wants to be like you know strapping a bulletproof vest onto her 8-month pregnant belly if she could. And um Finn's like, "Well, what if something happens?" And Rollins is like, "That's not your problem. Stop treating me like I'm a ride along." And it's like, "All right." And then they're like, "Well, Carisi's going to meet us there is that, okay?" So now it's the three of them at this building at 25th Street knocking on doors and uh you know, this one woman goes, that sounds like the guest in room in, uh, in 4B. His name is Vince. I love how she knows an Airbnb guest. <laughs> like, he's probably been there for five days. She's like, his name is Vince. His wife's name is Kathy. He's got four kids. Well,
0: you
2: write a little letter sometimes when you want to get into an Airbnb. Really? You write while you're staying. Like, I remember when I was- No, in but it's not her apartment. Oh my God, Okay. <laughs> I was like, you're right. She's a, little a neighbor.
1: There. I mean, I used to be like, if anyone, because I illegally Airbnb'd my place in New York constantly when I would go do comedy. And like, I would just be like, if you see anyone, you're my friend. Like, don't, don't tell anyone this is Airbnb. Like, I had a full setup with everyone. And everyone's like, everyone knew they were like, we know how it is in New York City. Like, don't worry. So she knows Vince. He's the guest down the hall. They push their way into this. The guy comes to the door. They push their way in, asking him all these questions. He's like, I'm in town for the auto show from Cincinnati. And of course, Finn knows exactly the dates of the auto show. And he's like, (laughs) that was two days ago. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm on my way to LaGuardia right now. He's like the world. I hope he's a better muffler salesman than he is a liar because he's like horrible at lying. They find a glittery jelly fisherman sandal. And this guy has... Is that what they're called? Fisherman sandals? That's a fisherman sandal when it has like... Like the big like woven strap, I didn't know Her, that um, sandal. Yeah, I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong. A million DMs, um, <laughs> and uh, he's got excuses, excuses, excuses. He's like, oh yeah, I went to a movie last night, the, uh, the new Tom Cruise movie. Like the worst liar of all time. It's like, you did you seen see
2: it? Mickey Rourke was like shitting on Tom Cruise on television? I'm sorry, I'm hitting stuff, but I'm eating the cedable. Okay. <laughs> Tom, Mickey Rourke was shitting on Tom Cruise? Yeah, he was on Pierce Morgan being like, fuck Tom Cruise. But He's a bad Pierce actor. Morgan. I'm a better actor. <laughs> he was just shitting. We stan Mickey Rourke he because goes, he loves SVU and just discovered it a year ago. <laughs> I forgot
1: about
2: that. <laughs> He was just like, that fucker doesn't challenge himself. He's been playing the same character for 20 years. Like, Mickey Rourke just had it out for Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I hate Tom Cruise. I won't see his movies. Um, so they arrest this guy. Not on purpose, but I don't... Go- I've saw Mission Impossible 1 as a child. That just, was a big moment. The Scientology moment. of it all, he's so
1: high up there, and it's like, there's. it's just too, It's too... I don't know. Should we cut this? I'm so scared of Scientology coming after me. <laughs> we I like, did a whole. Episode. I talk about it quietly.
2: Wait, what? Did we not mention it during the Credo episode? You know, I rewatched a Credo, and it's like, wow, that was so long ago. We talked to Sebastian. Like, yeah, so I was wild. pregnant.
1: My kid's a year old.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. Can the listeners tell we were drinking last yeah. night?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like my They're mind. Like, this is
2: episode is unhinged.
1: swimming in vodka soda. Okay, <laughs> but um, we had fun. Yeah.
2: We do. We have a good time.
1: (laughs) Um... So they they arrest the guy and he's like, Oh, is seeing a movie in New York a crime now? And they're like, No, but rape is. And then Rollins does the old oopsie daisy and shoves the guy into a door frame on the way out. And this show really does love to flirt with police brutality, you know, just a little. Just shove a guy's head against a like a, a banister or something, Listen, you know. If you rape a child, I'm hitting you on the banister. Yes. And you push a 14 year old out of a fucking car. Um, and then on the way out, Carisi grabs the guy's phone. So now we're in interrogation and he's slides the phone across the table and the phone's buzzing and ringing. And it's this guy's wife and she will not stop calling. And like, I have Jared on find my friends. So if I like located him and he was at the 16th precinct in Manhattan, we'd have some problems. So uh, he's like, tell us what happened with the 14 year old girl. We might let you pick up the phone and talk to your family because now his son's calling too. And he's like, okay, fine. I'm sorry. He like fully just folds. The man is so dumb. Um, he, he says, I'm sorry. I didn't know she was on something. When she started zoning out, I took her to the hospital. That was the right thing to do. And then <laughs> Ice-T fucks with this guy so hard. He goes, oh, you brought her to the hospital? You're free to go. And he goes, really? And starts to get up. And, and Finn goes, no, asshole, sit down. And I think they get like one asshole a season.
2: You think so? Yeah,
1: they don't say asshole a lot. I'd love to see it more.
2: No, and um, I love that he thinks throwing a woman onto the ground is like taking her to the hospital. Yeah, like uh, ignoring the fact that you were having sex with a 14-year-old. Yeah, and then <laughs> pushed her out of a vehicle. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like you went in and helped her with the paperwork. Right, right, Ugh. So this was
1: the one asshole for season 20. And I'd love to see more uh, if you're a writer on the show and you listen. Love to hear some more assholes. So anyway, this dumb man who should have lawyered up immediately finally caves that he got Luke's number off of backpage. Last year at the auto show, before they shut down Backpage, and he just, you know, kept that filed in his phone as a guy who gets me teenagers to fuck when I'm in New York. Disgusting. Or to assault, excuse me. Um, you better call Luke, they tell him, and tell him you're hanging on to Delilah for another day, and you have a friend who's interested, and then we'll let you talk to your wife. So now we're in Brooklyn and we're mid-sting operation. Finn's hanging out on the sidewalk looking fully like a cop, just like a man on the street with like his arms at his sides waiting to do a deal. And Liv and Carisi are in the car stakeout style. And Carisi's like, so what's going on with Rollins? And Liv's like, "Mm, if you want to know something about Rollins, maybe you should ask Rollins. And he's like, she's pregnant, isn't she? Like everyone on this show can sniff out when people are pregnant. And Liv's like, Greasy, in what world am I going to gossip with you about this? Like why who do you think you're you're talking to right now? So then that conversation kind of tape Peter's off and then the guy shows up. Uh, to talk to Finn and Finn gives him a wad of cash and says this is for me and this is the extra for Vince and the guy's like "All right," and brings him upstairs and he's like you're gonna like what you see upstairs is kind of like a dirty loft with bunk beds and pink lighting and there's a bunch of teen girls hanging out and the girls like line up to like present themselves to Finn and they are so young like great job to the costume department also they're in like overalls and cut off shorts like they just look like kids right like and Finn sees a little girl then an even littler girl, like behind fencing. Like, I can't say she's in a cage, but she's like behind fence, like fenced wire. And she's much younger. Like, I thought maybe she was 10. And he's like, Well, what about her? And the guy goes, She's not on the menu just yet. Ew. And he's like, I got more over here. He's gathering more girls together. And then Finn goes, so I can just pick one and do whatever. And the guy goes, well, within reason, like don't mess, my, mess up my investment. That wouldn't be cool. And then uh, he goes, so you seem like a guy with great taste. Have you made your decision yet? And Finn goes, I have. And pulls out his badge and goes, you're under arrest. And then this dumbass guy like tries to make a run for it. Olivia... Flies out of fucking nowhere. Should I say her stunt double? This is not. This is not Mariska Hargitay's body. Like it's just like I could just tell the way this person is moving that it's not her, and she just flies out of nowhere, tackles this guy's ass right to the ground, and then they go, live. and Marisha Gargate's face <laughs> turns around. It's, it's, a great, it's a great moment for me. Uh, if this was a live show, I would be showing a clip. Finn calls attention to the younger girl, and Liv goes to check it out. And this poor little girl is so scared. She's, like, speaking Spanish, and she's saying, please don't hurt me. And Olivia goes, no, I'm with the police. And she does say polizia, which is Italian, but let's give bilingual Benson a break here. And uh, she says don't take me and the little girl and she like looks very terrified. So that's the end of act one. And we've got this terrified little baby. Um, at the precinct stone walks in and we see like Carisi's asking this teen, like, why'd you run away from home? And she's like, cause my parents freaking hate me. Duh. Like it's like, okay, I, I don't know. You would like being with Uncle Luke a lot better. Finn's talking to another girl about how she met Luke at the bus station and he bought her McDonald's and cool shoes. So we're kind of getting an idea of like how he's gathered all these girls. Like I found them like in different places. And Stone's like, they're so young. And it's like, yes, Stone, it's your second season on SVU. You don't know that like, you know, people assault teens on a daily basis. Uh, it's an epidemic. And Liv is giving him the rundown. She's like, yeah, these girls are either from abusive homes or one was living with her, quote-unquote, her demented grandmother. And I was like, (laughs) way harsh, Mariska. (laughs) And uh, he basically found them all on the street, in parks. He he took one off of a playground. So it's it's not great. And they stay with him because they think they're contributing to the household. So he's got some kind of hold over them, like brainwashing style and, you know, what a lot of the pimps do. It's like, I, I love you. I take care of you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's just uh, one who's terrified and it's the little girl that we found behind the, the fencing. And Rollins is offering her water, asking her name, and she's just completely icing this bitch out. Like the little girl will not talk to Rollins. And the next thing we see... Uh, are Stone and Carisi bursting into interrogation to really give it to Uncle Luke? And this man is a very cocky child trafficker, like many of them tend to be on this show. He acts like he, he acts like he runs like a house for underprivileged youth. He's like, I just take them in and uh I'm selling their company, not sex. And he says the girls love him and he loves the girls. And we've heard this song sung many times before. And he said they could have left anytime they wanted. And Carisi's like, Well, you brainwash them. And what about this little one and he goes oh my little gabriella he says he rescued her from port authority she was just wandering around like you know lost and stone's like you're never gonna touch another girl i'm gonna see to it and he goes blah 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 and then he lawyers up so yeah this man is definitely going to jail and acts like he's 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 very jen Shaw until recent news um Stone's like, um, have fun with your lawyer. It's not going to matter. So that's the end of Uncle Luke. Um, in an office now, Rollins is once again trying to talk to Gabriella, And this time she's talking. And she says her last name is Sosa. She says she took a bus to New York City. And they're like, oh, was your family being mean to you? Were they were they hurting you? And she's like, no, no one was hurting me. And then she says, I want my mommy and starts crying. It's really sad. Um, and then the gang is gathered all around for an update. And the, uh, the other girls... From that, they found at Uncle Luke's are either headed to ACS placements or home back to their parents. And now Gabriella is the sole focus. And uh, Olivia does say, let's put her through NICMIC, which I know that on another episode, I did not know what that means. And many, many, many of you messaged me. And it is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. I didn't understand what she was saying last time. And Now I know, and thank you all for letting me know. And so they get a hit. They put her right in there, and they get a hit, and there's a missing person alert for her from Elizabeth, New Jersey. And it wasn't her parents who reported her missing. It was the New Jersey Department of Children and Families, so she was in foster care. The plot thickens. So now we've got Rollins in New Jersey um, with Carisi, and Carisi is desperate for the tea. He starts telling Rollins about his cousin Nikki being pregnant with her fifth kid, and he's like, all right, Rollins, she's not budging. Like you can tell on her face that she's like, he knows or whatever, but she's not giving it up. And then he's like, just like, fine, Rollins, why didn't you tell me? He's mad. And she's like, tell you what? And then finally she goes, I tried to, I didn't know how. Just don't ask me a lot of questions right now. And then she goes, and don't go all Catholic on me, okay? It's very, that you just don't need that. So I guess now he knows. Now he knows she's pregnant. And um, I don't know, he's probably heartbroken inside because, you know, he is in love with her. And the parents of, the foster parents come rushing out and it's Kelly and Alan Welbeck. And they say that they were, they've been waiting for weeks for news about Gabriella, And they're like, how did she get to New York City, you guys? Like, you were supposed to keep her safe. And the parents were like, we did the best we could, but she's very distrustful of Americans. We quickly find out that Gabriella was sent to them from the border where the government had separated her from her mother. So, awful and timely in
2: 2018 and today. Um, It's just, like, so barbaric. Yeah. Like, when people say cruelty is the point, it's like, who even came up with that? Like, yeah, let's separate them. It's, like, it's really, it's Nazi shit. Yeah, It's, it's, it's wild. And
1: this episode, I think, does a good job of showing you. Now we're in back in New York and the foster parents are going into Liv's office and giving her all the info. They're like, they were picked up by the border in June, her and her mother. The mother was arrested for unlawful entry and the border agent grabbed Gabriella out of her mother's arms. And Liv goes, that's insane. And I was like, yeah, just that, there's no other words. It's insane. Like, it, it's hard to like actually believe that it's happening. And I think uh, that's insane is a great sum up of that clusterfuck. And uh, she's seen it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to surprise Olivia Benson. And so uh, the mom is being held in Texas and the Welbecks registered as a temporary foster family when they heard about the situation. I thought about doing that. I don't, I, you, I have to get like fully vetted and, and all that. And I don't, I don't think I would have, I might not have passed, but uh, I was thinking You're also it.
2: giving the government way more credit than they deserve. <laughs> That's true. That's um, true. I, we will learn later in this episode, but they do not actually... Oh, God. Do really good background checks.
1: Ooh. Okay, great. Can't wait. Um... Benson uh, tells the parents that she really admires them for taking that on. And that's why I would do it, just so that Olivia Benson would tell me that she's proud of me. They tell Benson how Gabriella wouldn't even look at them for the first few days. She would just sit on the floor and cry for her mom. And they finally got her to eat, got her to play with their little boys a little bit. And then um, they tried to get her on the phone with her mom, but they like couldn't locate her. And then it was always like busy. The line was busy. So it was like, you know, true to form, everything that you've heard. It's a clusterfuck. Like they've lost half some of these kids. They don't know who's connected to who and they can't get them even on the phone with each other. So she, uh, Gabriella asked one of their sons, how do you get to Texas? And he told her you take a plane from New York City, but they didn't actually think she was going to go do that. So Finn and Rollins are now with Gabriella asking her her favorite ice cream. And we find out Finn's is salted caramel chocolate chip. I didn't know existed, but go off. Um, and he tells Rollins his bodega orders it special for him, which is funny. And that's cute. Seems cute. Yeah. Um, Gabriella opens up a little. She says her foster parents were nice, but she missed her mom. And yeah, because I don't think Finn grocery shops. No, he's a bodega meal guy. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And takeout. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just, uh, Gabriella is like, why did they take my mom? Like, she doesn't understand why she's been separated from her mother, because it's crazy. And Amanda's like, well, when she crossed the border, she broke the laws of our country. And then she's like, but what did I do? And that's so sad. And, and Rollins is just like, honey, you did nothing wrong. And now Liv, Rollins, and Finn are talking about what to do. They can't send her back to foster parents, because she'll just run away again. Liv says, we got to call the Office of Refugee Resettlement and let them know that she's with us. And Finn says, well, they're just going to send her to a tender age center. I hate that tender. It reminds me of like a tenderoni in that Michael Jackson song. Anyway, Rollins goes, I'll take her. It's like, uh, you're the queen of doing too much. Like you truly have a child and another one on the way. And you're like, I'll just take her. I'm a cop. I work 20 hours a day, but I can do this. And Libs like, girl, you can't do that. And Rollins is like, well, you took Noah. And she's like, this is really different. And now... We find out that this is connected to Rollins' guilt about Esther Labatt from the Book of Esther episode. She's like, Remember what happened the last time we let a girl walk out of here? And very different situations, Rollins. You actually killed Esther Labatt with your gun. <laughs> <laughs> but- <laughs> but so i but i can see how she's you know feels very guilty about that and is trying to like you know karmically karmically balance the scales uh a little bit and carisi busts in to let them know that they tracked down the mom's lawyer she's at a federal detention center in texas and he's on his way there and he can set up a video call with maria and gabriella the mother's name is maria so exciting so on the video she's telling them about how she left guatemala because her neighbor was like taken out into the street by lamara which is a gang for witnessing a murder. Like, this guy witnessed a murder, so they brought him out into the street and they killed him. And um, so she's like, I got some money from my family and I had a coyote take us to Mexico, but then this guy just left us at the border and we had to cross alone. And it's like it's so fucking sad. This actress is great like when she's telling her story. She's like I'm I was like getting emotional. It was really sad. And then the lawyer explains he's like I'm trying to get her asylum, but it could be months or years before it's all adjudicated. And you know, the go- the government at that time and maybe now, you'll tell me more later, but like they I don't think they think that kind of thing is like enough. Uh like oh, there's gangs, there's gangs everywhere. Just, you know, deal with it. But it's like it's a li- it's living a life in terror that these people are trying to escape. So Until then, she just has to stay in jail. And this could take, like, as I was saying, months or years that she'll be separated from her daughter and in jail waiting to see if she can even stay. And they let her talk to her mom and she goes, Mommy, it's me in Spanish. And I'm, like, crying. And then they're both just crying and saying, I love you. And then, like, they've been on the phone for five full seconds and a guard comes in and is like, yeah, shut it down, shut it down, terminate the call. And so I don't know what's going on, but she only got to talk to her mom for, like, a second. And then the call goes dead. And then Gabriella hugs Rollins. She's very devastated. It's like so sad. And we cut to Rollins now. A very this is an abrupt cut to me from like this little girl like not being able to talk to her mom on a on a FaceTime. And suddenly Rollins is at this fancy restaurant eating with her boyfriend, her doctor boyfriend, and telling him all about G- Gabriella and Carisi is. Um, watching from watching the next the baby. table. <laughs> no, that's what I wrote. Carisi is watching her. And I was like, Carisi's watching her. No, Carisi's watching Gabriella. Um, And the feds are picking her up tomorrow. And, and like, he's like, wow. And she's like 10 years old. And Rollins says, yeah. And he's like, I don't even know how you guys do it. And she says, well, speaking of, you're good with kids the other night. Like, and he's like, oh yeah, I love kids. Like, I almost did peds, but like, I'm in too much debt, so I went with heart surgeon. (laughs) I guess that's what he is, a heart surgeon, because he says he went into the OR. Then the Chablis shows up. There's a bottle of Chablis, and he's like, I remember you saying you like this. And then he toasts to second chances, and he goes, or third if we're keeping score. And it's like, did you fuck up a second time or not? Like, what's going on? And Amanda does not lift a glass for the toast, and he doesn't get it. And then she's like, I'm pregnant. And he's shocked for like a second and then immediately remembers a time that they raw-dogged it on the 4th of July, I guess. And so, you know, I think he knows how babies happen. And uh he immediately offers to take her for an abortion <laughs> and pay for it, and if that's what she wants to do. Like, he, he barely takes a breath. And he's like, so, I mean, I can Google a clinic right now. Like, he's really does not want to have it. And it's, in theory, that's a nice offer from a partner. Like, you would want someone to, you know, be supportive of your decision, but he jumps to it very quickly. And Amanda's kind of taken aback by how fast he jumps to, like, just termination, and it's very awkward. So he just starts chugging Chablis, and Amanda looks annoyed, and that's how we leave this scene. So I don't think it's... Uh, I think she wanted a little bit more like, wow, we're going to have a family. And he was like, uh, there's a Planned Parenthood around the corner. I think we could make it before they close. So at the precinct, Finn asks Carisi how the babysitting is going. And Carisi goes, well, I played 19 games of checkers and I learned... Green eggs and ham in Spanish. And then Finn goes, no me gusto los huevos verdes. And it is, it is no me gusta, but I will let Finn have this one. And then in walks friend of the pod, Andy Powers, a buddy that we talked to from season four episode called vulnerable that we covered. And now he is back. 16 seasons later, playing Jeff Phelps. We talked to him a little bit about this role too. If you want to go did. back and revisit the interview. Well,
2: my favorite thing he told us about little baby Gabrielle Sosa is that she loved the pizza, that she could not get enough of oh, the pizza. Oh, Thank you. It was really I cute. forgot. And if you don't remember Andy Powers, I um He told an amazing story of thinking on Oz that he got jerked off on by Maloney, but Maloney just spit on him. (laughs) Um, So that was a fun story for us.
1: (laughs) You really all should go back and and listen to the the Andy Powers Yeah, Andy Powers made an impression. Yeah, it was great. He was great. So he is playing Jeff Phelps from the Office of Refugee Resettlement, and he's there for Gabriella. And Benson's like, let me see the paperwork. And he tells her that Gabriella's going to go to Fort Sterling. And Benson's like, oh, Behind razor wire, and he's like, "No, ma'am, it's a dorm-like setting with other minors. It's like summer camp." And it's like, "Bitch, get summer camp out of your mouth. You don't know what summer camp is like if you think that's it." And they bring out Gabriella, and he and she sees Phelps and gets really, really upset immediately, and says, "Don't take me again." And Rollins is like, "What do you mean again?" And she says, "That's the man who took me away from her mother." So it's like the. Like, the idea that the person that already took you from your mother, like, now in Texas, has now shown up in New York to take you away, like, again, is so...
2: Yeah, and the last time she got taken away, she ended up in a cage. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's horrible. Rollins and Liv are incredulous. They're like, is this true? And he's like, I was at the border when Maria was processed and I escorted Gabriela and other minors to the foster agency here in New York City. That was the policy. And Liv makes a huge move and tells Finn and Carisi to arrest Phelps and put him in a holding cell. I it, keep imagining Michael
2: Phelps. It's right really hard not to.
1: <laughs> or Fred Phelps. I don't know who Fred <laughs> Phelps is. They're the, um, the people that say God hates F words and like they're like the anti-gay Fred the Phelps the Westboro or Westboro whatever Westboro Baptist Church exactly yes um
2: no Michael Phelps yeah Phelps is. is yeah Michael Phelps has a he loves to swim he loves to smoke weed he loves therapy he's a friend He's a friend of the pod. He's
1: a friend of the pod. I just pod. think he has a weird face. Anyway, um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Criti- I'm not trying to shame anyone's
2: looks. There's just something about the proportions of his face. Where well, I'm yeah, like, no, What's his under jaw is bigger than his. Like he is a freak of nature. Yeah, like his he- arm spans longer than his body. Yeah, you know, he's like built weird to swim. Yeah, he's built to swim. Doesn't he get to eat like six thousand calories a day or something? Well, cool? I don't know if he's swimming at that level anymore. Yeah, but that's those are true. my favorite stories. There's like a pitcher who like every day had three Big Macs. Like I just love the athletes that only eat candy and (laughs) (laughs) Coca-Cola. Living the dream.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, you
2: hear those stories of people just being blackout drunk, pitching no hitters and being like, I don't even remember it. Sports used to be fun. (laughs) Now they're all, you know, uh, not eating tomatoes. Now it's tomatoes. All getting tested <laughs> for dope. And yeah,
1: <laughs> it's so boring now. Um, all right. That is so funny. Okay. So, so fuck. Olivia is arresting this guy from the Refugee Resettlement Center, who's like a, he's a federal agent, I guess, and putting him in a holding cell. And she says, you're being arrested for second degree kidnapping for abducting a minor and transporting her to New York City against her will, which is a class B felony in this state. And then Olivia goes, give him a phone call and a bologna sandwich. Bologna sandwiches get a bad rap. I like it. I didn't know they gave you a bologna sandwich in holding. I've no. never seen them give a bologna sandwich to another person that's in a holding. I had a so. sandwich
2: in jail. I had a burger. I had some cookies. They, they let us microwave our cookies. Wow. So they melted a little. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> luxurious. I, I do. I had fun in jail. I mean, as a <laughs> sociology major, I feel like I learned a lot. I made some friends. And um, yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I read a book. I watched The Simpsons. I like. I loved. To, uh, I can't believe
1: they let you ha- do all. I can't believe you had access to a microwave and a television. Like what? And books.
2: And books. Wow. Yeah, the white girls played games upstairs, and the black girls watch The Simpsons downstairs. So you were down there. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We don't have to play cards with a bunch of meth heads. <laughs> <laughs> Take oh, me to the God. familiar. Let me have my cookie. <laughs> and then everyone got mad at me because I did let the door slam hard once, and they're like, "This fuck!" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm learning your rules, and I'm gone tomorrow. So let's relax." I can't believe you never got on Orange is the New Black with all this experience. I actually did a full blown audition in Russian for Orange is the New I Black. I know. I really tried. i probably i I tried to be the what, the Nazi. I mean, I did. I sent in a lot of auditions for Orange. I would have loved you to have been involved
1: with Red somehow, speaking Russian.
2: I would have loved to be a part of that show in any capacity. Of course, I mean, I'm on dish. It's it's funny. It's like so many energy. I don't know when
1: I'm gonna fucking do it.
2: And you know, (laughs) I have a messy um, what is it, desktop. Yeah. And it's all videos of my face in different (laughs) outfits (laughs) trying to be different people. It's sick. It's a sick life. Oh, yeah. I, I I sent one in for a brewmaster this week. It's like what's brewmaster? Like a girl who makes like beers. Oh. <laughs>
1: I yeah, I can see girl. that hip, hip girl, girl. Over,
2: with her own brewery. Food science at the brewery. <laughs> I could see it. <laughs> I could absolutely see it. Whatever. Am I bragging about my auditions? I don't get it. But I would have loved to be on Orange.
1: Um, Okay. So top of Act 4 and Olivia has just, I mean, it was like she had this pre-planned almost because she came up with it so quickly, this plan to arrest the guy. And now at the top of Act 4, she's She's a survivor.
2: She's passionate. And when she wants to do something, she's going to do it. Yeah. She knew what was, she, she knew arresting him was fucking crazy. Yeah. Completely. And then she's surrounded by a press conference. Like, suddenly there's a
1: press conference in the squad room, which I've never when seen. When Benson calls, they come. Yeah. She's probably called Jimmy Mack and was like, call all your old buddies and get them over here. And uh, she's making, this is clearly a political move. And she's explaining that they've arrested the officer. She's got the press. Everyone's like, you know, everyone's paying attention. And she also says, she also says Gabriella is nine. Everyone's been saying 10 the whole episode, but it's nine now. So, okay, we've aged her down. She's nine years old. And she says, they're like, how do you think the federal government is going to react? And she's like, I don't really care this is a crime in New York. And and then one guy goes, do you really think this affects the life of the safety of everyday New Yorkers? And she's just like, well, I did find this nine-year-old girl in a sex trafficking ring. So I think I'm doing my job. And she is like fully traumatized, like a bunch of all the other children we found. And uh, then she ends the conference and has to go talk to Stone in her office. And it is like getting called into like, you know, your dad to get yelled at by your dad. And Stone's pissed. And he's like, what's the next move here, Liv? And she's like, dude, I was just doing this to make a point and the media is running with it. Everyone's paying attention now. And he says, well, I don't prosecute cases to make points. And she goes, well, then I will find someone who will. I didn't know you could just find another ADA, but I guess you can. And then Olivia goes, didn't you say that the only wars worth fighting for are the ones you can't win? And just then Stone is saved by the bitch when this mean-looking lady comes walking in and she's like, Kim Caldwell from the U.S. Department of Justice with a rid of habeas corpus demanding the release of Phelps. And then she goes, see you in court at 4 p.m., lieutenant. Like, she's very bitchy. And then Liv asks... To Stone. She goes, are you in? And then he, she goes, let me show you what you're fighting for. So she brings Stone in to meet Gabriella. He, She's like, hi, Mr. Peter. It's like very cute. And she shows him a picture that she drew of her house in Guatemala and lives like, do you get it now? Like to Stone. And then he, she says, there's 3000 more Gabrielas. If you have to walk away from this, I get that, but I'm not going to, I can't. So in court, Stone is arguing the definition of kidnapping. Okay, he's like, it's depriving someone of freedom by holding them against their will. And the lawyer argues that the government does this to millions of prisoners every day. It's like, sick brag, you evil bitch. Millions of prisoners every day have their freedom deprived. Um, And then Stone argues that Gabriella was not a prisoner. She was a nine-year-old girl who did nothing wrong. And then the bitchy bitch argues that she did cross the border illegally and that they cannot be kept together. And Stone's like, no, we cannot incarcerate them together. They can be kept together. And it is against the law in New York to bring this girl here against her will. And she says, um, the woman argues, but it was under the color of federal law. And Stone argues it's not a law, it's a DOJ policy called zero tolerance. So Stone is correct here. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear more about this. But, um, and the judge says, yes, but it's clear that Officer Phelps or Detective, I don't know what you call this guy, Refugee Man Phelps, was acting in good faith. And he says, Stone goes, yeah, but that doesn't relieve him of his criminal liability. And then the Fox News lawyer is like, remember that the federal law trumps state law, if you guys can all remember the Constitution. And then Olivia stands up, full out-of-order outburst. Like, I've never seen Olivia do this. And she's been in court during some wild proclamations. And she just stands up and goes what are we doing here? The government ripped this girl from her mother's arms. Like, someone needs to stop this. Like, truly the voice of the nation, Olivia Benson. And Stone is like, Olivia, chill out. And Carisi's trying to calm her down. And then uh, we cut out of there to Rollins with Gabrielle at the precinct. And she asks Rollins, do you have a baby? And Rollins goes, yeah, she's three. Her name is Jessie. And then Gabriella, going full Gregory Yates, goes, no, a baby in there. And it's like, how do you even know she's three months pregnant? You really can't tell. She does immediately, when she gets pregnant, Rollins, like, stop tucking her shirts in. Everything's just a blousey blouse. But I wonder if it
2: coincides with her real pregnancies. It does. Oh, okay. Yeah. But—
1: It's just funny to me that the girl, like, noticed. I mean, I feel like Rosie didn't notice I was pregnant until I was, like, at nine months. Um, I think Gabriella might have a little gift. Mm, Yeah, or she's a serial killer, like like Gregory Yates, who can smell pregnancy. (laughs) Anyway, Amanda... admits yes, and she lets Gabriella put her hand on her belly, and she's like, do you want a boy or a girl? It's a sweet little combo. And she's like, when I see my mom, I'm going to tell her I want a little brother. And it's like, really, it's really, like, just heartbreaking that she can't talk to her mom. So back in federal court, the judge is like, listen, my job is to judge the arrest, not the U.S. immigration policy. The separation of the this woman, this child and her mother is disturbing and ill-advised, but immigration law overrides the state law. So he is to be released. And Benson is pissed and she says to Stone, Well, we lost the battle, but maybe we'll win the war. And then, you know, now Livin uh Stone and Phelps interrupt Gabriella and Rollins having a little pizza party. And she starts crying, and she's begging not to go with him again. And Olivia goes, "You need to be strong." And she goes, "Please don't forget me." Oh my god, it's like so sad. And and they, Olivia just keeps saying, "Fuerte, fuerte," like be strong. And she takes, and he takes her away. And everyone is like pretty gutted. It's like sad, but I, there's still six minutes left of the episode, so I'm kind of like, what else is going to happen? So now Stone is having a drink at one of those like wood and leather bars, you know, like old school fancy bars where people drink brown liquor out of like crystal. And they're in Chicago, actually, with uh, state's attorney Mark Jeffries. And he is, this is played by Carl Weathers. Mark Jeffries is played by Carl Weathers. And he's also from Chicago Justice don't know if that exists anymore or what, but he uh, was also Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies. I knew I recognized Carl Weathers from something, but he's Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies. And um, he's like, so how's SVU? How's the big city? And then he's like, what the hell do you want? You didn't just come here to have a drink with me. And he wants to uh, this guy's help in reuniting Gabriella with her mom. And he's not trying to make a policy. He just wants to help this one kid. And the guy goes, is it going to make a difference? And then Stone tells literally that starfish story. Have you ever heard that starfish story? That's like a it's like a parable or like a little the kind of thing that's printed he, on like a magnet. Stone
2: is a human version of an Instagram quote. He's just <laughs> always has some sort of story that no one cares about. Yeah.
1: This this starfish but story. But I do
2: love little turtles.
1: But the star, it's the same story with the starfish. He just changes it to turtles and acts like it happened at his family home in Rhode Island and it's like that's a famous like that's like a like a famous parable or like what do you call it well my
2: friend was lucky enough to be on mushrooms as he noticed little turtles going towards the ocean and he got to help them oh my gosh yeah if he wasn't on mushrooms he would have just kept walking no but it probably felt more special
1: (laughs) his heart was more open magical yeah yeah that's cool um, so that's what he says basically like you know it's made a difference to that one you know when you throw the turtle or you throw the fish the,
2: the starfish back
1: in so he says the guy says he'll see what he can do so
2: now And also Carl Weathers so you have like sympathy for the starfish but not this kid like I don't know why you need an additional story <laughs> yeah like- can, we, like can we just reunite this kid you fucking psycho yeah.
1: <laughs> So at the precinct, Carisi wants a beer, but Finn has to babysit his grandson. And she's like, what about you, Rollins, non-alcoholic? And she's like, what's the point? She's like, what's the point in having a drink if I can't get hammered? Um, and she's like, I need something stronger after all the bullshit I've been through like today. And Carisi says, um, everyone wants to, who wants to come to this country to live the American dream should be allowed to do that. And then Finn plays real right wing. Finn's like, I don't know, her neighbor getting shot's not really enough. And then Rollins is like, dude if she took had a coyote take her through Guatemala to the Mexican border, she must have been real scared for her life and her daughter's life. And Finn's like, yeah, well, who takes care of them once they get here? And he's like, I don't like child separation either, but immigration is a problem. And Carisi's like, I think immigrants can take care of themselves. My great-grandfather came here from Torino at the age of 12, and my family is from Torino. Do you think me and Carisi are related? Yeah, sure. It's a possibility. That's <laughs> why I don't want to have sex with him, because I can tell we're related. Um... Finn is, yeah, being super Republican. And he's like, I bet your granddad didn't have food stamps and public housing and Medicaid. And it's like, dude, read an article. This is like not true. And then Rollins says, um, well, Rollins does use the phrase these people, and I don't like it. But she says, quote, these people get jobs and there are jobs Americans don't want. So she, uh, the sentiment is is like, you know, that I think Finn is misguided. That they're sort of taking over our like the population of uh, U.S. citizens or something in terms of fin- like financial, you know, or employment. And uh, Carisi goes, "Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free." Remember that. And then Finn goes, "My people came to this country and changed 300 years ago, and I still can't breathe free." And Rollins and Carisi are both kind of like, "Well, okay, we can't really respond to that. I don't really know what." the correlation is
2: why are we helping these immigrants if we're not even helping me and True. my people and we're here getting discriminated okay. against and fucked over and stuff. Oh, so is that do I you think, think that's, that's behind his point? a lot of it? Wow, interesting. Yeah, he's like black people get treated like shit here all the time and yet you care about all these like people trying to come here but we have our own problems. Yeah. But he should more have the point of view of all vulnerable who's, people need to be taken yeah, yeah. care of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, who's yeah, who's making it horrible. Right. It's like um you know, it's it's the class it's like right now they're co- you know, they're going hard for trans people but it's just to test the waters and then guess what? It's going to be you. Yeah. You know, like it, it's it is crazy um that we don't want like there's a quote where it's like you're only as strong as your weakest teammate, or you're, yeah, and you got to help the most vulnerable and bring everyone up so we're all together. Yes, you're not like fuck those people. I care about my people. It's like I a care rising about all the tide people.
1: lifts all ships. Yes, yes, yes. And then if we, we all, all got
2: together, we can, you know, like yeah. Sri Lanka run into the president's pool. Oh my god, <laughs> that
1: was a good January sixth, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we're almost to the end here. So now we're at the doctor's office and you think Amanda might be like at the OBGYN or something, but then Al walks out her boyfriend and we realize we're at his office. And she tells him, listen, I'm having this baby. I don't need anything from you. And then she walks out and he does not even, not even a tiny movement to go after her at all. So this is like, you think it's the end of their relationship. He's back a little bit later, but you know. He's like, well, I guess she wants that baby. And then at Fort Sterling in Brooklyn, I didn't realize Fort Sterling would be in Brooklyn. I thought for sure he she, he was taking her to to another state or something. But they're in Fort Sterling in Brooklyn. Uh, Liv rolls up in an SUV and asks to see Gabriela Sosa. And the army guy at the door is like, yeah, those visits aren't authorized. Carl Weathers is in the car with her, gets out of the car, starts crossing over to this military guy, which by the way, I feel like without identifying yourself, that guy would have just like shot him. You know what I mean? He just gets out of the car and starts walking to him, yelling and being like, "Get your CEO down here right now!" I didn't hunt through the mountains of Tree for I—I I couldn't. I'm sorry, I couldn't really hear what he was saying for three years to have some babyface MP tell me what's authorized, and it's like, okay, there's that old Rocky. Rocky monologue, and he starts babbling, and the the literally the sh- the soldier is like, A-ba-a-da-a-ba. and then he's like, okay, fine, just let him in, and then uh, he gets back in the car, I guess, and he goes, that was fun, and Livy looks impressed, and then at, right as the car pulls away, we see that Maria, the mom of Gabriella, is in the back of the SUV, and she looks a little bit like nervous. Inside of Fort Sterling, it's just like a huge gym. With kids like sitting around on mattresses, wearing like those crinkly blankets you get when you run a marathon. Um, and a liv goes, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And it's like, it, it really just it's like, what are they doing? They're just sitting there, like wasting away. They're just sitting on mattresses staring into space. Um, Gabriella and sees her mom and goes to reunite her, goes to reunite with her. And I'm really glad they did it, but I wish they could have just brought her into another room and not do it in front of all these other kids that don't get to see their parents. It's like too sad. Um, and we find out that whatever. We find out that Carl Weathers pulled some strings because he works out at the same gym with a judge who made it happen. And um, anyway, this kind of fairy tale ending does not happen all the time. It's like, it's like when you this is a horrible comparison, but whenever I hear of somebody getting their Instagram hacked, the only people I ever hear getting it back are people who have an in at Facebook or Instagram. Like, there's no way to get anything done if you don't know someone who works at these corporate well, places. Well, it's
2: also not even just... To ha- it's
1: like truly life. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You got to know people. Like, it's connections is everything.
2: <laughs> but, uh, But of course... Social media, Instagram is my perfect example. Well, because it's a nightmare. Thinking about getting hacked is not yeah, good. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't want it to happen. <laughs> Two-factor two authentication.
1: Anyway, Maria says, thank you so much. And Olivia says, welcome to America. As they walk away from dozens and dozens of girls in cages with like their faces pressed up. Like, where's my mom? Where's my dad? It's fucking terrifying and horrible. And that is Dick Wolf, baby.
2: That was great, Kara. Listen to our commercials, bitches. Be right back. See you soon. Okay. So, you know. It's hard to do current event type things because the news is ongoing, unfolding, and a lot of the articles are like, like they're political spin, you know? They're trying to like prove something. So it was kind of an adventure. Um, But we're going to go through the Trump family separation policy, um, the zero tolerance, and then... um, When
1: you read that, it's like, oh, the Trump family separation, like separating all the Trump family from each other.
2: That would be great. Let's do that. (laughs) Keep them all away from each other. And I'm going to talk specifically about Southwest Key Facilities abuse. um, And that's what we felt was like the closest to what was happening. But I feel like there was abuse and trafficking so much everywhere constantly. It was like, I, (sighs) so much. Um, Okay, so the Trump family separation policy, not the one we want. Um, Simply put, It's a policy calling for criminal prosecution of everyone who enters the country illegally. So I don't know if you remember Jeff Sessions. He's like a little gremlin. Oh, yeah. A little jockey gremlin. Um, He, in quotes, said, if you cross the southwest border unlawfully, then we will prosecute you. It's that simple. If you're smuggling a child, then we're going to prosecute you, and that child will be separated from you. If you don't want your child separated, then don't bring them across the border illegally. And that's just a quote that he did at a press conference. Like, these people are truly deranged, evil fucking assholes. That was in the New York Times. Um, And then this policy is different than the former Bush and Obama administrations, um, where separating kids from parents during those times was an exception, not the rule. And Trump made it the rule. Yeah. Um, And this obsession with the southwest border and these, like, specific rules started with Bush, though. He launched Operation Streamline along the Texas border, and it called to criminally prosecute all migrants to get control of the border and be safer to citizens, and Trump used this model for his policy. And, yeah, fuck Bush. And this whole thing of people liking him because he paints is so frustrating to me. He's a fucking war criminal. He's a piece of shit. And... I heard this recently, like, we don't blame him enough for this, like, explosion of Christian, like, in the government. Like, he was just praying all the time, and a true fucking fool, and I don't think we talk enough shit about him. Yeah. We're like, wow, he painted a dog and loves Michelle Obama, and that was that. (laughs) Like, this piece of shit. He made ice. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. Fucking hate him. And he shouldn't have won. (sighs) I just feel if Al Gore won, our polar bears would have some ice. I don't know. And we'd have the right kind of ice. <laughs> What's Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're good. Okay. Um, so basically, people that crossed the border were put straight through the criminal system, not through civil immigration courts. And so that's what was the change. Instead of just like, we're going to civil court, it was full criminal. And then, hello, private prison contracts. That's one of the things that's I think is most twisted about America. There's so many, but like prison as a business is the most yeah deranged sick yeah. thing and I think orange is the new black really covers this well um whatever it did however at that time make exceptions for adults traveling with children but their goal was to prosecute fast and then deport people back like as fast as possible um and so, uh, but until they're hearing they're held in these private detention centers and that's like money making and then in 2014 Obama declared a humanitarian crisis and all these issues at the border with unaccompanied children most mostly from Central America, coming to town. And his administration also focused on de- deporting people fast. And some were put through criminal proceedings, but it did choose to hold families together in not criminal holdings, um, but in administrative detention, and they would set up these makeshift overflow facilities. Yeah. And that's something, too, because I think we all love Obama, but it's like a lot he, of this He deported stuff a lot of people. ...was during his um, time. And so that's a, that's just a fact. Um and then Trump claims that he's just following policy and he's just doing what's written and he's not doing anything new, which is not fully true. Um historically the US treated immigration violations like I said as civil rather than criminal and parents have not typically been separated from their children when they entered the legal system. So that is some that's a twist he did. A twist on an, an old classic. Okay. <laughs> but the administration said their hands were tied by a 1997 court settlement. And later court rulings in which detained children can be held. But it's like one of several options, not a command. And experts say there are no such laws, but the White House was saying that the law required it. So they were lying. No, because they're doing
1: it as a deterrent. They are trying to deter people from coming across the border. So they're not like, well, we just got to follow the law. Like, no, there's other
2: options. Yeah, but it's like, are they actually trying to deter people, or are they trying to make money off of these centers? Like, that's what's like yeah. sick about it all, too. Yeah, because um, I, I don't, I think they know that it's not a deterrent. It's like how the death penalty isn't a deterrent, yeah. you know? Like we know data. those things don't help, right? If people are desperate, they're desperate. And then throughout all this, though, there was an understanding that if you came in, quote unquote, legally at proper areas and went through the asylum uh, process, you'd be chill since it's not illegal. But that's not what was happening. And while cases are being processed, which could take months, the families are separated in the same way as those who enter illegally. Mm-hmm. So the people, when people are like, well, why didn't you do it the right way? People who were, quote unquote, doing it the right way and coming to get asylum were also separated. Really? Wow. Yeah, because they had to like wait for their hearings, and so they would fucking separate people because they're evil pieces of shit. And the kids are either given to a legal guardian, like a relative, but typically these children um, are taken to federally licensed facilities operated by the Health and Human Services Department, or they're placed with temporary foster families. Um, Immigration lawyers say typically these kids last four months or longer waiting to be reunited, but sometimes their parents are deported without their children. Hell. Yeah. And of course... You know, separation from family leaves children more vulnerable to exploitation and abuse, no matter what the care setting. And that's according to an affidavit attached to the ACLU lawsuit that was happening about all this. And it creates toxic stress levels in children that can profoundly impact their development. I don't think that's anything new. I think we know that these things yeah. really affect children. Um, there, are, These children are at much greater risk of depression, post-traumatic stress, and other mental health problems and being separated from caretakers fucks kids up and these institutions, even those trying to be the most humane, by their nature, warp attachments that children long for. And so the visceral and concentrated exchange of love that comforts and supports and shapes a child's heart and mind are no longer there. Mm-hmm. And the people who work at these places, the turnover rates are super high, so it causes even more issues. It's like impersonal, unstable, and fragmented care, and that impacts their attachment, um, stress regulation, but also like their physical growth parameters and brain development. This really affects children forever. Trauma is real. Have we not watched Yellow Jackets? Trauma. (laughs) Trauma. (laughs) Trauma. Um, And to add to more fucked up things that happen to these children, some are fraudulently plucked from shelters by men who pose as friends and family and then take the kids and make them work long hours. And there was a big case in Ohio where all these kids were found working on egg farms. (sighs) Six people were sentenced to federal prison uh, for their participation in the scheme. But, like, we were saying, like, how, oh, they're they're doing background check, or they're figuring out where these kids should go. No. Like, men were straight up coming, and, like, the government handed over children to traffickers. To egg farmers. To egg oh farmer traffickers. Like, fully— Horrible. I mean, it's—yeah. yeah Outside the egg farms and detrimental damage to the children, they're also being placed in homes where they are sexually assaulted, starved, forced to work for little or no pay. Um, And that is what an Associated Press investigation found. And all this is made so much easier because of the weakened child protection policies and the overcrowding. So kids are being sent to homes, like I said, without proper fingerprinting, no birth certificate proof, and not getting all the info. And it eliminated FBI criminal history checks for many sponsors. And U.S. government agencies were responsible for delivering the victims into the hands of these abusers. The government did this. Human Rights Watch in October 2021 obtained the United States government documents that detailed over 160 internal reports of misconduct and abuse of asylum seekers at the hands of U.S. officials, which included Custom and Border Patrol officers, Border Patrol agents, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement officials. And this is between 2016 and 2021. The 26-page report was called, They Treat You Like You're Worthless, Internal DHS Reports of Abuses by U.S. Border Officials. They got these papers after um, the Human Rights Watch went to litigation under the Freedom of Information Act. And and all of this included allegations of physical, sexual, and verbal abuse, due process violations, harsh detention conditions, denial of medical care, and discriminatory treatment at or near the border. I mean, obviously, they're yeah. discriminatory. Um, and then there's tons of redactions in this report um, with all the like horrific abuse directed at children. Um, but there, But there is a lot of info, but none of the info, there's no records of how these agencies responded to the allegations. So there's all these documents saying like, all this fucked up shit happened. And then no, there's no evidence that anyone got punished or anything. Or like did that. anything. Yeah. Did anything. Yeah. Not even a class. You right. know, not even a yeah. sexual harassment class. Yeah, a seminar. <laughs> a seminar.
1: I had to go to a sexual harassment seminar at 7 a.m. when I worked on a show once because some fucking guy said some weird shit about someone who was underage. It wasn't
2: even me. We all had to go. Yeah.
1: It was really early for
2: me. Seven's I was early. falling asleep. Seven is early. <laughs> Seven is early. To be at work. Remember I told you I was going to go to the beach at 8 a.m. and it yeah. sounded psycho? I went before 10. My, the person, right. My friend was like, Can we just do nine? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and I would have been late to pick you up anyways. <laughs> they also uncovered 27 possible due process violations with all the border workers. So some of these due process violations are like, um, would-be applicants being prevented from lodging asylum claims or compelling them to sign papers they did not understand. So they kept Ugh. off documents, um like super crucial information, like dates, locations, and nationality of the person who suffered abuse. And like, they did not provide appended documents. And so uh, Clara Long, the associate U.S. director at Human Rights Watch, said that the Department of Homeland Security appears to have normalized shocking abuses by its border agencies and believes urgent steps need to be taken to ensure people are not victimized by the U.S. border and immigration agents. And so, yeah, the due process stuff is like they're making people sign papers or not giving them the proper paperwork to get the asylum that they need. So they're Uh like, so even when people are trying to do it right, you have these fucking Neanderthal pieces of shit that decided to work at Border Patrol that are obviously race. Like, of course, they're discriminatory. Um, I don't think you can, like, cage up a bunch of children and see them as actual humans. Like, are these people, of course, they're they don't so it's like the people that are supposed to help them don't even recognize their humanity so yeah. we're like trusting the people that are imprisoning them to help them do paperwork to help them stay in a country yeah. it's like it's very very twisted and so this moves me into the south-southwest key facilities abuse and so the owner of the southwest keys which we'll learn about in the new york times this guy was saying that the images of children and chain link cages are not what they are, that those are facilities run by Border Patrol, which is a division of Homeland Security, and that that's not how this place works. Um, This place is like a social service side of the federal government. He's like, we are not law enforcement. So that's this guy's claim. So there is two things. There's like the the. The border, like, law enforcement vibes. And then there's this human health and services. Okay. Like, government organization, like, an FDA vibe. Uh You know, like, making sure everything's Uh okay. And that's the people that help run these private shelter type places that are okay. like we're like summer camp i think this is all bullshit yeah um, i think it's all kind of one and the same but the owner of this facility was like we're not the cages that you see we're like fun mm-hmm. but i think you'll learn that he's wild <laughs> so the southwest key shelter is in youngtown arizona it's been shut down okay um and was a shelter for unaccompanied migrant children the children were there because of the zero tolerance border policy where the children are taken away from their parents at the border. And uh, this policy caused um, a super influx. And so there was just like tons and tons and tons of children arriving. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was just like a bu- an influx of children and a lot of issues. And like I said, this place was closed down eventually. In um, September eighteenth, twenty eighteen, a federal contractor fired a bunch of staffers after an incident, according to a statement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, at, but do not worry; they just sent the kids to a different shelter, and it's all owned by the same company. Oh my <laughs> so god! Ten day, like all these kids were in a different place. So it, this actually was mentioned in the episode, this Office of Refugee Resettlement. Uh-huh. So that's the ORR. In 2018, the ORR was overseeing an estimated 100 shelters in 17 states serving 11,000 youths. Oh my
1: God. Like she says 3,000 in the episode. She goes, there's 3,000, Gabriella Sosa's," And I was like, that seems like you're lowballing it, Olivia. But that's
2: maybe young girls only. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows yeah. what she was like. But 11,000, it seems like, oh my It's God. a lot. And so it's like, how are you keeping track of all these people? Yeah. So it brings up a lot of issues with federal oversight and management and the invisibility under which many of these places operate. Um, And this is more of a PR statement. The ORR claims to have zero tolerance policy for all forms of abuse or inappropriate behavior and acts quickly to address it. I don't know. (sighs) Um, They refuse to comment, though, on how many staffers were involved or details about any incidents. We have all these shelters. There's not really oversight. Lots of things are happening. And not only that, the government is paying these people. So the Texas-based Southwest Key programs were paid half a billion dollars in the fiscal 2018 year under a federal contract to house the migrant children in several states. So, you know, I always say this, like when Trump got elected, stocks of private prisons skyrocketed. That's what everyone was purchasing because everyone knew this was going to happen. And so... The government gave them half a billion to run this thing. They have 13 facilities. And the month before the, you know, one of them was shut down, the Department of Health Services moved to revoke the company's licenses after it failed to comply with employee background check requirements. So, um, the state then launched a review after repeated reports of abuse of migrant children by the employees after the state inspections found repeated instances in which the company had not obtained the required background checks from employees. So, them claiming how seriously they take everything and, like, zero tolerance is fully PR when you're not even doing proper background checks of people that are going to be working with detained children. Yeah. Um, the owner for of these, you know, for-profit child camps said the missing deadline of background checks was, in quotes, a very small minor thing to the oh New York God. Times. So this guy who thinks he's doing good, we're going to learn about him. Um, he thinks he's, like, truly a saint and an angel to children. Legit was like, whatever, it's just a paper issue. This isn't even yeah. a big deal. And it's Whoa. like, you don't think it's a big deal to not do background checks on people that are <laughs> going to work with children? Shit. The Republic obtained a report from the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office detailing um, numerous instances in which deputies were dispatched to the Youngstown location to investigate physical and sexual abuse cases before the... um, September abuse incident was disclosed the Youngstown shelter had two cases where staff members were alleged to have acted inappropriately but neither was substantiated then at least three employees have been arrested and accused of sexually abusing the children from 2015 to 2018 there was a man Fernando Magas Negrete I don't know who cares Um, and he was arrested on suspicion of molesting a 14 year old girl and her roommate and they reported it and the roommate reported it to the police at the Mesa shelter, a worker, Levian Pacheco, is alleged to have performed oral sex on two teen boys and tried to rape them penetratively. Oh my God. He was HIV positive, and then six other teens accused him of sexually touching them. Jesus. And these allegations spanned 11 months starting August 2016, and he was convicted um, of seven counts of abuse, uh, sexual contact, and three counts of sexual abuse in 2019. And he was sentenced to 19 years in prison and then following um, a lifetime of supervised release. So, I guess one pedophile has been, you know, taken. But now, when Pacheco was hired, he did not submit his fingerprints for a background check. So, how are you saying you're committed to child safety? Yeah, Their big punishment for failing to do this was $1,000 for this billion-dollar business. business. Now, in July 2018, a worker at the Phoenix Shelter, and this is all under the Southwest area. Like, they own all of these places. Yeah. They also have a policy at these places where the kids are being checked on every 15 minutes in their rooms, which gives, like, a lot of opportunity for molesting. But back to what is Southwest Key Um, and the founder and like these people that are getting rich off of human suffering Um, he thinks he's a social justice warrior and he calls himself El Presidente oh my god his name is Juan Sanchez Um, and he's built an empire off of detained migrant children he has made millions from an empire on the back of a crisis and that's like the New York Times writing that's very dramatic Um, the and the article came out on Britney Spears' birthday 2018 <laughs> December 2nd you know the important dates about this guy well it's also like AIDS Day I think, but it's Britt's Brit's, Brit's birthday. <laughs> so Juan, um, so this guy Juan, he grew up along the Mexican border, um, like really, really crowded. Like all the kids slept on the floor. And so, yeah. He was not very rich. And then he ended up earning three degrees, including a doctorate in education from Harvard um, before he came back to Texas to start um, what he calls is a nonprofit. So Southwest Key now has collected $1.7 billion in federal grants in the past decade. And in 2018, they made $626 million alone. The company stockpiled tens of millions of taxpayer dollars with little government oversight and possibly also engaging in self-dealing with top executives in other industries. So at one point, they were able to house like 5,000 children in 24 shelters. And one of the shelters is a converted Walmart. Just Just like a warehouse. warehouse. The Walmart uh, shelter... It houses fifteen hundred migrant boys, so dystopian um it's a two hundred and fifty thousand square foot facility um yeah, yikes. And this Walmart place has had at least 13 deficiency citations. Um, and inside this place, maybe things have changed. There was a giant mural of Trump, an American flag painted on it in a White House picture. And the quote from Trump that was painted says, sometimes by losing a battle, you find a new way to win the war. Like, what does that what? even mean to children? Yeah. There's also a JFK quote about like what you can do for these con- <laughs> your country. It's like leave these kids Ugh. alone. Um, and there are doctors there and activities in a school. Um, they can watch Moana and go outside for two hours, but they should do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. I don't know. They did, they did let some people in for a tour, but it was just like a very protective place. There's no windows. Everything has like black mesh over the windows. Like yeah. you don't know what they spruced up for the... The tour, yeah. And they worked closely with the Obama administration to set all this shit up. This is this is it, you know earlier than 2016. So in 2013 and 2014, they opened eight new shelters and they were no longer a small group of homes, but like giant institutions. And it kept growing. And then there was a breaking point where 14,000 minors at about 100 sites. So on paper, this is a charity, but Sanchez was making more than double what like chief executive counterparts do at other, like at the American Red Cross, which is a far larger organization. Wow. So he was just making tons of money. They also created a web of profit companies. So they ha- they were like in cahoots with construction companies and maintenance and food service. And it said even a florist. And I'm like, what, what is, why is yeah, a florist? A- <laughs> <laughs> like what is happening? And so these companies helped to funnel money back to the charity through high management fees and it helps circumvent government limits on executive pay. So at one point they were sitting on $61 million in cash and they started acting like a bank and lending money to real estate developers. Stop it. Yes. And so they rent out the shelters. They do not own them, which is a very unusual practice, but it is more lucrative. Marcus Owens was the former head of tax-exempt organizations for the IRS, said that the only word to describe their enterprise is, in quotes, profiteering. Uh. In 2017, Southwest Key paid eight people more than the federal salary cap of 187000 So his wife, who was the vice president, earned half a million dollar salary. Jeez. And it's like very twisted because the Mexican government gave him the highest humanitarian award that is possible. And he's on the board of the nation's largest Hispanic advocacy group known as Unidos US. Yes. Hmm. So it's crazy. like weird. Of course, he doesn't think he's evil. He's getting all these humanitarian awards, I guess. I don't know. But maybe he did start wanting to be good. I'm not really sure. And even if they did start out as like being the good guys and wanting to like shelter and like be a place for children that needed homes, the policy of forcibly removing them from parents has eroded. Any public good they could have had. Yeah. You know, like anything you think you're doing, it's it's tainted by yeah. this fucked up shit. And also when you rush to expand like that, it's difficult to properly manage the housing and care of these children. And you know that also with this
1: $61 million of cash, they're definitely supporting like Republican candidates because they don't want this to
2: stop. Yeah, but they're, like, fucking cheap. Like, their biggest donations were, like, $5,000. Oh, really? Yeah, I was looking at their donations. They used to donate to Democrat Because Obama was working with yeah, them, too. Yeah, like, yeah, I think this is a—I mean, there's a reason the Democrats are inactive of any social change, because they're also in the pockets of these businesses. Yep. So, this idea of, like, one side or the other is all bullshit. They're all That's just trying I, to make he money. Says, he says, left wing, right wing, they're all part of the same bird they are and it's bullshit and it's like the democrat like can you just do something yeah yeah totally just fucking do something but yeah like their donations were so bad <laughs> <laughs> Alexia Rodriguez, as Southwest Keys Vice President of Immigrant Children's Services said, "In quote, our growth is in direct response to kids coming to the border. But to me, it's like a chicken and the egg shit. Like, are you growing because of the policy? Or was the policy made for you guys to make money with all these defense contracts and Mm -hmm. assholes who are profiting? So it's like, I don't really know.
1: Yeah, it's like Dick Cheney and Blackwater and all that shit, Right.
2: That's another person. One of our friend's friends married someone who worked at Halliburton and it was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, someone here, their dad died and they didn't like their dad. He was high up at Halliburton and now she gets to live in a giant house and has all this money from him but like hated it, never talked to him or anything because <laughs> he was a Halliburton guy. It's not even my friend. It's like a friend of a friend. Okay. <laughs> um, so this Alexia woman truly says that they are not a political organization and they just take great care of kids and it's like, then put more windows on the buildings, bitch. <laughs> Why aren't there little Paintings of tulips and bunnies. If it's like a great place, did I did I tell you in Skokie there is a daycare called Little Muslims? No, I would have remembered that. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they have all these places. They're getting all this money from the government. No one is watching them, and so obviously there's so many kids, not trained staff. So I'm just gonna like go through some of the fucked up shit that happens to some of the kids there. Like one girl ate a meal she was allergic to. even though she was wearing the proper red bracelet to indicate her allergy. If you're taking good care of kids, kids should not be eating shit that they're allergic to. Kids were forced to sit for four hours as discipline. There was slapping, pushing, grabbing, children missing doses of their medication, children who had to wait days in pain to see a medical professional. A child tested positive for an STD and the medical coordinator failed to follow up and the minor did not receive medical treatment until four weeks later. Oh my God. Also, how did this? How did he get an STD? He um. So this guy, the owner, going back to him Juan. Um, he wanted to go to seminary. Um, and then after all of his education in 1981, all his degrees, all the Harvard, maybe in at Harvard, he turned fully evil. Um, at age 33, he returned home to start this charity to help children stay out of prison Um, and it was like helping like his friends he started this southwest key was in essence started to help his friends and the kids that didn't become successful like him from the neighborhood and then in the late 1980s a court settlement meant for the first time that migrant children were required by law to have their own shelters and the government asked mr sanchez can you take on these migrant children this is the 80s people yeah So, this goes way back. Um, So, his first nonprofit he did was uh, with his former gym teacher, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Gallegos, Gallegos, (laughs) which reminds me that's like a lawyer. Garagos. Garagos. (laughs) I'm like, this is similar. And they established international educational services, which is under federal investigation. And I could not find any information about it. Hmm. So in 1996 is when Southwest Key entered the shelter business. And right away, the lines were very blurry. You know, he hired all his friends and family onto the boards. And then I mentioned this up top, but... He formed a limited, like limited partnerships with real estate friends where their names were the only ones on the documents, but him, he was a silent partner. So they would buy former boarding schools and land and then lease it to Southwest Key. And the charity paid these real estate partners, but they were the partners. Yeah. So they're like double dipping. And you know, charities are not supposed to do that. Yes. Um, Charities should not be making deals that benefit leaders and shelter grant recipients are prohibited from pursuing their private financial gain. Mr. Sanchez claims that the government knew that he, what he was doing, which I don't doubt. I don't know. Um, And then, but after the Times put them on blast, they disclosed all the info and then went to seek to sell their stakes. And I don't have any info on if they sold it or like what happened and if, if they acquired new, uh, but they did. It's like wild that the
1: press is the one that has to hold their feet to the fire. Like it's not the government. No, You know?
2: And they continued to acquire new land and locations and stuff and use the charity's address and kept building their real estate portfolio. Like they never really stopped. They also would purchase charter schools and then force the schools to award work to Southwest Key for profit. Uh, Martha Cotera, a school board member, started to grow suspicious and told the New York Times they were sold to us as an economic development enterprises for the community, but it was very self-serving. And the schools were also paying Southwest Key millions for food maintenance. And like, she left the board because she was pissed about that. And then his good friend, who he'd been doing real estate broking deals with, became the board member. So it's like truly so insidious and like shady. And all of these kids are just being like played with for profit. It's really fucked up. His excuse for all this is it's not worth for him to purchase buildings because he didn't want to get stuck with empty shelters if the children stopped coming. And also what's wild um, is like these places seem like they're coming from a bad place, but so is some of the communities. So we hate this place, but then some of the towns... Like, they don't want these shelters and not because they're immoral and it's fucked up, but they don't want their tax dollars going to these people. So it's like double evil. So it's like— But isn't it federal tax dollars that are going to it? Yeah, but it's not like these people are smart. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What are we talking about? It's like, yeah— Yeah. So it's like, then you want the community to be like, no, like this is wrong that they're separated and treated poorly. But it's mostly people being like, I don't want my money going to these people. And so then he gets to play kind of victim and be like, look at this discrimination we're dealing with. We're just trying to help kids like look at these bad Mm. people. So they get even more like a sympathetic kind of edit. Yeah. Um, there was a lawsuit from Southwest Key, and they sued a town in California called Escondido, claiming they were fucking with zoning laws to keep them out. And during the lawsuit, one quote was used from The Citizen, um, and it was reported by the New York, to the New York Times, in quotes, I believe most of us are sick for, of paying for undocumented invaders. Jesus. Like, these are evil people. Yeah. Can you imagine calling kids invaders or, like, people that want to live here? I just, like, yeah. don't get it. It's just, like— they just don't think well, I, see them I as people. came here religious asylum, so it would be crazy <laughs> if I, But this happens. A lot of, like, my sister's peers so that she's known when we immigrated are, like, all Trumpy piece of shit, right-wingers, like, don't want—Muslim refugees don't give a shit about yeah. anyone. yeah unless, and and they don't want, like. It's so crazy. Yeah, like, we came here, we were on welfare, like, we got help from the Jewish United Fund and all these things, and now they're the most, like, fuck all these people, look at them sitting on food, and it's like, you were on food. Yeah. And even worse, like, my family in New York, they live in subsidized housing, but, like, all, like, that's what Russians do in Brighton Beach. They're all in, like, subsidized housing, and then the garages are all filled with Beamers and Mercedes. They're, like, taking, and then they br- they're bringing their grandmas from Russia. The grandmas live there, nice ass cars. They're like shit, like truly using the government and then are so racist and hateful towards others. So maybe I would be again. I don't know. But so, yeah, these kids are getting bullshit from everyone. They're sitting there hoping to be better and have like a good life and people to like love and care for them. And everyone's like, get them out of my city. And then other people are like, I'm going to get money off putting you in a cage. But they won the lawsuit against the town and they won $550,000. Great. More money. <laughs> add, it to the, add it to the pile. Like there's no one to cheer <laughs> for. So I went on their site to find out what's <laughs> up. And they are hiring. So if your calling right. is to provide... And so it says, if your calling is to provide compassionate care, join their programs.
1: I remember thinking when this was all happening, though, I was like, can I just go to Texas, like, for a few days and, like, hang out with kids? I'm like, I'm an old—I'm a former camp counselor. Will they let me just go and, like, read
2: books to kids? Don't you remember charities and American— Like, people were coming to help, and they were turning them away. I wouldn't let them in. Yeah. Um, the website, you know, it's, like, all bullshit. It's, like, reuniting kids and helping them, but it's the opposite of their goal. It's, like, their goal is to make money. So, is it to reunite or is it to keep these kids longer? Like, it's all just conflict of interest everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Their website claims since 2015 they have unified 100,000 children. Do we buy it or not? They claim the typical length of stay for minors is 32 days. And as of now, they have 17 shelters in Texas, eight in Arizona, and two in California. So this one place where all that abuse happened closed, but they're in business. Yeah. Now, from the Washington Post, as of May 1st, 2022, crossings and attempted crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border are at record levels. Nothing has, like, changed. Yeah. And it's an issue for both sides. Like Republicans accuse Biden of being too lenient at the border, and then the Democrats accuse Biden of being too tough. So it's like everyone's twisted. And that's why I said the research was hard because sometimes yeah. you get on an article and it was all just like Biden's letting the caravans okay. in. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, I
1: remember like um so I just saw a tweet the other day that was like, Gas prices have gone down for the past like six days. So cue a story from Fox News about Mexican caravans coming. Like, they'll pivot it away from that at any moment to always put it back on, like, the caravans, the caravans, and it's like... Yeah,
2: so this is, like, obviously, this is post-episode, the episode, but I thought I'd let, you know, let everyone know where everything stands yes. as of now. Yes. Um, and then, of course, I'll close this out with some sex trafficking stories. <laughs> okay. So in the past six months of... Um, since this Washington Post article. So far, people at the border have been apprehended by the government 549,000 times. I don't know if that's a lot or a little. Like, I don't even know yeah, what numbers so mean anymore. so in the
1: six months. So, okay.
2: Uh, uh, okay. And most remain in custody or under the radar pending a court hearing. It could take years to resolve an asylum case like we, you know, what was happening with Gabriella's mom in the episode. Yeah. And then half get kicked out immediately. Less than half are processed by immigration authorities. And then the remainder are allowed to stay in the country and apply for asylum and other humanitarian statuses. And then I don't know if we knew this, but 15,000 Ukrainian refugees are in Mexico waiting to get into the US as well. Um, And that's a whole other thing, obviously. Like, but yeah, you know, and they're separating the Ukrainian children from their parents as well.
0: So these like Are people Are you guys sure you
2: want to come in here? So they like <laughs> escaped a war. Sucks. Yeah. They come here. And they're in Mexico. And they're in Mexico because that's a way to get in. And then they're separate. So they have yeah. been separating them as well. Um, okay. What also is an issue today is Title 42. And it is a public health order put in place by Trump that allows the government to send migrants back to their home countries rather than hold them in detention. And the Biden administration kept the policy for more than a year and planned to phase it out by May. But a group of Republican attorney generals sued to keep the policy in place. And a federal judge in Louisiana agreed to temporarily block the Biden administration from lifting it. Wow. So they think lifting it will cause chaos, and I truly don't know, and I wrote, I don't know why I'm stand- talking about this, and I don't <laughs> know where I stand, but they used it as like a protection against COVID and diseases to get people out fast. Right,
1: I remember this, it was a COVID thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a closed border thing
2: with COVID, yeah. Um, These federal judges, fuck. this is where, quote unquote, the liberal, whatever, this is where we fucked up. We were not paying attention to the judges. Yeah, the judges are what have fucked everything are these like right wing appointed judges it's really wild the administration has cut way back on deporting people who are already in the country illegally and um, arrests fell to their lowest levels since at least 2015 Um, Biden has ditched Trump's remain in Mexico policy which required migrants to stay in Mexico while they wait for decisions on their asylum claims Um, and then a federal judge later forced the administration (laughs) to reinstate it I'm telling you that's where we really You're fucked power-
1: up. I mean, the, the president is like powerless, it feels like. The president can't do fucking... I mean, fucking- he did some
2: cool shit with ab- I don't even. I don't even understand what he did to abortion. Okay, yeah. in ab- April, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case called Biden versus Texas about whether Biden can end the program or not. Also, the Biden administration promises to allow asylum officers at the border to grant asylum there rather than pass the case on to judges in a bogged down court system. And people who don't get asylum at the border are sent to immigration courts, which usually take months to wrap up a case, which um, is an improvement for waiting years. And that's what it was like during the Trump administration. And all of this is going to be really in the air come midterms because Republicans make immigration like a bigger and bigger issue. And they just like hate immigrants. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now... Like, we talked about the abuse that happens at these centers and the laws where we stand currently, but the character in the episode was trafficked to a different state and kept in a cage. So, I was curious. I just wanted to look into the human trafficking cases where the government placed children into horrific situations. I actually didn't find that much stuff, but in January 2016, the Times reported that the Department of Health and Human Services placed more than a dozen immigrant children in the custody of human traffickers. And this is according to a Senate report. And this government agency is the same governing agency that's in charge of the Southwest Key and like keeping that above board. So everyone's just bad at their jobs and has no soul. (laughs) Um... And they didn't even follow, like, any basic principles. There weren't any home visits. Usually if, like, you're going to be a foster person, there's a home visit. They, like, no home visits at all when they release these kids. And it's super unclear how many of the 90,000-plus kids have been placed into traffickers' hands. Like, they truly lost children. Like, I don't— know what's going to happen. And so many cases of trafficking happening outside of the government agencies, just straight up traffickers on the border. And instead of actually helping these people, we're more focused on like who deserves to come here safely and not. And it's like we're worrying about the wrong things. Yeah, And just the idea of separating kids from their parents or caregivers make them so much more susceptible to trafficking. Um, And so it's like... Trafficking and care. other crime. Yeah, it's It's truly, like, isolating, separate, and, like, making it as hard as possible for these children to have good lives well, or be yeah. well-adjusted or be safe and cared for. And it's really a mess of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I hope that all made sense <laughs> and felt relevant. It's just, like, so big and ongoing. Yeah. And it's, no, like... No, I didn't know
1: anything about Southwest Key and stuff. That's interesting. Thank
2: you for telling me all and about that, that business... And just, like research charities you give in because I remember I met a girl that was like cooking at one of these places did we meet her together who I don't know I remember like meeting someone they're like oh yeah my job is like I cook I'm a cook at one of these places and later I was like wait is this person evil like what is happening
1: I guess providing them with food is not horrible but like because you know I don't someone know what do you nice need?
2: needs to be there yeah
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just horrible. like these people
2: are making so much money um being so evil and double dipping and the government agencies are allowing it. And, yeah, it's all just like political fodder and fear tactics. and like, people are getting fucked with because not only of the trafficking, but I, I mentioned up top, it's like, long-standing psychological trauma, mental trauma, physical yeah. trauma, like the way you love people and attach to people forever is gonna be fucked. like we're we're not only fucking these kids financially like we're fucking people. well, it's like, it's the, like name the opposite that- of what America like of what life is and isn't it like the chance to live? what's the constitution? <laughs> yeah
1: well yeah, no it is Give us your tired, your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. I mean, it's uh terrible. I just think we have to, uh, I just think that there's a whole section of this country that doesn't see them as people. And that's the problem. Um, Okay. But as always, we have a delightful interview to cleanse your palate. And you're just going to love this one (laughs) today. So stay where you are. Okay, guys. Today's guest, is not only super talented, but is the youngest guest in That's Messed Up history. She's been in such films as Wish Upon a Unicorn and Life in Long Beach, but you guys know her as little Gabriela Sosa. Please enjoy our chat with the lovely Scarlett Lopez. Oh my gosh, Scarlett, officially our youngest person we've ever interviewed on our podcast. Oh, We're really? so excited to have you, yes. Wow. How, how old are you now? Do you mind sharing your age? I know a lady never tells, but.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, I'm 12, but I'm going to be 13 in two days. Oh, Yeah. Happy what are you doing for your birthday? Almost. Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, so for my birthday, uh, I'm going to go to Six Flags with my friend. And um, on the 15th, which is when it's actually my birthday, I'm going to be spending it with my dad. Nice. Yeah. I love Six Flags. Are you going... That's... Oh, it's the best.
2: Do you like to be... you like roller coasters?
0: To be honest, no. I I really don't. (laughs) It's just like my friend, he really likes roller coasters, but I don't understand why because he's like scared of like a glue gun when it's not even on. (laughs) So I'm just like...
2: (laughs) Are you um, around a lot of glue guns?
0: Um, no, it's because we recently, like, had a project, like, at the end of the semester where Mm -hmm. we had to, like, create, like, um, these, like, uh, ocean animals with plastic. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It was really fun. What else have
2: you been doing for summer break?
0: Uh, not much, really. I've just kind of been relaxing and talking to my friends. But, um, I don't have summer school or anything like that. Oh, I do have jujitsu, though.
2: Jujitsu?
0: Yeah. All right. (laughs) Very cool. So so you're
1: 12, but on the verge of 13. So that means like when you did this episode of SVU, you were like nine or eight? Yes. Yeah, I was nine. Oh my gosh. You were nine. You were so good. Yeah. You were awesome in this episode. We were so happy you wanted to talk to us. Um, Thank you. So like, I know... Like, 8 to 12 is a big range of time because it's, like, a quarter of your young life. But, like, do you remember, like, the audition process and, like, how it was going through getting the part?
0: Yeah, I do. I remember for the audition, I got called back because um, I, like, cried because I was thinking of, like, my grandma. And, like, I guess they really liked that. But I had forgotten, like, a scene. And I was just like, oh... But they called me back and I was just like, oh, they must have really liked me. So then uh yeah, after that I got the
2: part. Amazing. You are very good at crying. So do you always you think of the same thing usually when you like did you know you have that skill before you went into the audition?
0: Uh I I practiced. Like my mom and me, we would like try to like watch videos of me like like Bambi or like uh you know, sad videos like, to, like, have me start crying. And then my mom was like, oh, okay, this is not really working, so try to think of, like, someone dying or, like, one of your family members dying. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then I started crying when I thought of my grandma. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So because you were
1: only a kid, you brought your parents to set with you or your mom or your dad or... Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: My mom went with me. She took yeah? me, like, practicing the scripts. And, um, yeah, we just, it was just kind of off because it was in New York. So it was just like, mm, like the sleep schedule was a lot different.
2: Oh, right, right. Jet lag. Yeah. Did you, um, spend time in your fun trailer? Was that exciting?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I liked that. But, um, I think my favorite part about it all was like hanging out with the cast and, you know, um eating all the snacks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like it would be our favorite part too.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. We
1: actually talked to um, Andy Powers on our podcast. He was the guy that takes you away. The bad guy. Like the officers was take you away. And he was telling us that you were great to work with. Oh,
0: wow. That's
2: so nice. Yeah. Um, what scoop do you have about the cast? Like any fun stories with Mariska, Ice-T or Kelly or just any fun stories from the set?
0: Um, I'd say a fun story was, it, it wasn't really with them, but there was like these two, these two little girls. One of them actually, I think it was like we had the same name or I think it was Charlotte, I think, maybe mm-hmm. not Scarlett. But they were really, really fun to work with. They were, like, always goofing with me. And, like, my mom, like, when my mom was trying to have me, like, start crying, they would always be like, oh, do you want to come play with us? Do you want to hang out? Do you want to tag? (laughs) And I was just like, and my mom was just like, well, we have to, like, get her ready for this. But I just kept playing around with them. And it was just really fun with them. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's awesome hard to hard to cry when you're having fun with your friends
2: yeah <laughs> there's a lot of photos of you online with like iced tea and marishka and everyone is smiling so big i don't think i've ever seen Ice tea smile so much it seems <laughs> like they all really enjoyed you being there too
1: oh wow that's awesome yeah. did you love getting to eat all the pizza and ice cream that they kept bringing your character
0: oh yeah yeah i, <laughs> I loved it I was just like, can, "Can I? Can I keep eating it?" Like, <laughs> amazing. The subject matter
2: of the episode is so like intense. Was that yeah. hard? You know, you being so young, did they kind of protect you from it? Were you aware of how serious no. and kind of scary the scenes were? How did that work?
0: Yeah, I was. I was aware of what was going on, but I, I like had to ask my mom some like questions, like. Oh, um like what does this mean? Why is this happening? And um uh she was explaining to me, "Oh, sometimes like, you know, this happens to kids your age and even younger." And I was just like, "Oh, wow, that's that's, you know, horrible. Like this shouldn't be happening to like kids my age." Mm. And um I was just it just like made me even more sad and like get more into character. Yeah. Yeah. It is really sad. Um, when you were,
1: I remember, like, the one scene that was, like, so emotional was, like, when you finally get to, like, do a video chat with your mom in the episode. But, like, because that's, like, a video chat, were you just, like, doing, performing your part to, like, an empty iPad or what? Because, like, the, she wasn't really on the other side of the screen.
0: Yeah, um, it was actually a pre-recorded video of her. And, oh. like, so we had to, like, time it perfectly. So I wouldn't just, like, cry when she, like, you know, like, waited. Yeah. You know, I, like, speak. Wow. Oh, really a
2: pro. Yeah. And how did Virginia? you get into acting altogether?
0: Uh, when I was five, I think there was like a, I'm not sure if it was like a, a convention or something, but um, uh like it was just like a group of all these kids who are like had to like like mo- like do a monologue and like you know, a cold read and i was just like oh may- maybe i'm not ready for this and i got kind of scared but um then like i didn't, i didn't get to make it cuz I, I think i was like too young but um uh so then i tried it again with like a different group of people and i think like that one, that time i was like more prepared and like my mom was too and so like yeah i think that's when um i started like officially like acting
2: did something inspire you? Like, was there a movie or a specific actor or something that got you going? Um,
0: no, not not really. I think it was like my uncle because he does like acting too, but it's just like small. And I was just like, "Huh, that's that looks kind of fun."
1: Mm-hmm. And then I was
0: just like, "Hmm, maybe I should try that." Yeah, because I started when I was like five. Five, and yeah. we saw Six. you got
2: nominated for a, an award for your acting. That was exciting.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was pretty exciting. I I I was pretty nervous to be honest. I was just like, "Who? This is my first time doing this." And yeah, because there was like, like
1: a red carpet and everything, and like a whole yeah. award thing. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I think like that was like the first time that I was like interviewed. Like it was from this girl from like uh, I think a YouTube channel, and um, I I feel like I was kind of unprepared for that, so I was pretty nervous. But I, I think I did pretty alright. Yeah, I'm sure I'm you sure did. You what did, did you wear? wear? Uh, it was uh. I saw a
1: picture of it on your Instagram. I think it was so pretty. It was like a red dress, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. My my uh, grandma bought it for me. Actually, yeah. It's
2: cute. I love that. Um, and we were, you know, you had to do an accent. Was that hard? Did you work with a coach?
0: Uh, no, no, no. Cause um, uh, my grandma, she has a. A pretty you know hard accent, so I was able to get it from her. oh yeah, wow, that's like, cool, yeah. I was thinking of her while well, like oh how does how does how does she pronounce this? how does like she like uh say these things? I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's how you do it. It's so really good. impressive
1: at nine, I feel like, <laughs> to do
2: accents. Like, we have another scene we really love is you and Kelly Giddish when you're like, oh no, the baby's in there. It was like really, <laughs> really cute. Did you guys get along? Like, did you have any fun moments? Did she bring her dog on set or anything?
0: No, I, I actually didn't know she had a dog.
2: Oh, oh famous. She's a famous dog. dog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what kind of dog is it? Free, like a big lab
2: looking. Yeah, like it's that. like a big
0: mm.
2: blonde Beige. dog. Um, do you have pets?
0: Uh, actually, yeah, I, I do. I have a, a dog, turtle, and um, a hamster. Yeah. Whoa.
2: Oh, I thought your dog's name was Turtle. A but dog, a turtle, now. and
1: a hamster. That's like a menagerie. That's a lot
2: of animals. Are you yeah, taking
0: care I, of them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: How did your friends react to, you know, you being in, like, SVU or other cool things that you've done? Um, or because, oh. are you are you in L.A.? Yeah, I, I am in L.A. Or is it because L.A. everyone's kind of acting, all the kids,
0: or? No, I, I was kind of surprised, to be honest. Like, uh, when I was in uh, elementary school, like, a bunch of people were surprised that, like, a kid could be acting. I was just, and they were all just like, oh, you're acting? <laughs> And they're like super surprised. And I was just like, yeah, I, I am acting. Yeah. And then I'm like, but, but you're so young and, and you're here with us. This is so weird. And they were just like super surprised.
2: Uh-huh. Did you watch the
0: episode? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did. When, uh, it came out on, uh, Hulu, we actually had uh, a party at, um, my mom's friend's house and like we all watched it like with their family and um it was pretty fun and uh i think the most like fun or not fun part but like the most inspirational part of that was when her uh her dad started crying because of like the scenes that i was in and how he saw that because like you know he was an uh an immigrant and he like came to the u.s and like he was able to like actually experience that
2: wow and he was
0: just like I was just like,
2: wow. Do you have any big dream roles or a show that you would love to be on? Is there anything like you want to try to manifest
0: oh, for the yeah. future? In the future, I-, I was thinking like maybe, maybe like, uh, Marvel. I'm a big fan of like Marvel movies and so I was thinking like maybe I can be like a, a Latina superhero.
2: Oh, yeah. I think that would be pretty fun. Any, what would your special powers be? Uh,
0: I think it would be like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not like super speed because I, I, I just think of like the flash and that's like from DC. So, uh, maybe it would be like, uh, like lasers, like, uh, lasers that come out of my fingers or like I had like this, uh, power that would like, it would mimic other people's powers.
1: Oh, that's like, a cool I idea. Just like
0: take that mm-hmm.
1: That's a I really that cool personal. idea. All right, Marvel, take a note. <laughs> do you have actors that you look up to? Like, who is your favorite? Who do you like to watch?
0: Um, uh, I think her name is Gal Gadot from oh, yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah, I feel like she's like pretty inspiring because um, uh, I've seen her, you know, movies like, uh, Wonder Woman and with um Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was just like, wow, you're pretty amazing (laughs) like (laughs) like you can do all this and like you're like you get into like acting like a lot like she's like very serious when it comes to like her roles that she plays she's like awesome amazing
2: any um you know our listeners obviously really love svu like we do do you have any final kind of stories or moments you think uh, people would really like to know or hear about from your time there
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like hard to remember, but, um, uh, something that I do remember is, um, uh, Ice-T's daughter. Baby Chanel. She is so cute. Like the cutest girl I've ever seen. Oh my God. We love her. (laughs) Yeah. She, she looks just like him. Yeah. I was just like, you guys are twins. Like, immediately, I was just like, you guys, like, looked like the exact same person. Like, it's, like, so hard, like, to tell the difference between them. Like, I know. Other <laughs> than, like, their age. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah.
2: Did you play with her? or She was probably tiny. Were you just like... Yeah.
0: I was just like, oh. And I, I just kind of wanted to just, like, carry her and, like, hug her and take her home with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she is such mom. a
2: cutie. Well, we're very honored you came to talk to us. You were so talented and so good in the episode, and we feel really lucky. Yeah, we can't wait to see what you do in the future. Yeah, hopefully.
1: And have have the best time at at Six Flags. Six Flags rules. (laughs) I love Six Flags. Um, And happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! We're gonna—we're now—we're a children's podcast. We're only interviewing <laughs> the child stars of Law
2: and Order SVU. So cute. Um, you know, I just love what a professional she is, and that she—she's like, yeah, Bambi didn't make me cry. I don't care. <laughs> only close family I just feel when members. I meet like
1: cool twelve-year-olds, I'm like, okay, maybe like kids have a chance. They're not all gonna be assholes. You know what I mean? No, the well, kids are better now. Yeah, the kids are better.
2: <laughs> well, I talked to this therapist. Um, and I think therapists get competitive because I was telling my therapist that I talked to this other therapist for the podcast and she just started shading it and like rolling her, out. like she was like livid. <laughs> at <anything> I, said. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. He said a few insightful things. And then I said one of them. She goes, That's what you thought was that insight. I'm like, Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but he would say, You know, we we're talking about the kids and all of that and how they are different and better now and what's the key to raising great children. And he just said, love the shit out of them the most possible way ever so they can be as grounded and in themselves as possible. And I feel because this generation of people having kids did not have that. I feel like parents are allowing their kids to be them and just being like, like saying, I love you more, just being sweeter and oh, kinder yeah. and letting people like, I just, I think the next generation will be more well adjusted. Cause I said something to them, I'm like, it just takes so long to deal with all the mental stuff to get better and work on yourself. I'm like, I feel like it's taking me decades to like learn shit about myself. And he goes, well, yeah, because you were fucked as a kid. And so you have to do all this decades of unlearning. But if you're not as fucked as a kid. Yeah. You don't have to do all this uh, like reverse work.
1: <sighs> yeah. I'm true. You, know, you could be so like, my hard. parents
2: <laughs> said, yeah, my parents said they loved me all the time. I did this. I did that. And so, verse like, you know. My dad's yeah. never said a nice thing to me, and so now I have to, I have to deal with that for decades. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, she was um, amazing, and it just like I don't know, it just made like well, everything we're talking about makes the the true crime pop portion of the episode even more fucking heartbreaking that we're just uh, traumatizing all these children by tearing them away from their parents at the border. But oh my God,
2: Kara, okay, so. Um, you know, my friend Julia was in town this weekend. I, this should have been in the intro. The hotel we were staying at for two days, they were filming Vanderpump Rules, okay? We got to watch them film Vanderpump Rules all night for three hours. We all ate mushrooms. There's four of us. And just sat for hours watching. We made friends with production. They were giving us inside scoop. Like, it was um, a great moment. But then the next day, Julia wanted some Tom, So we go to TomTom. We're friendly with the bartender, having fun. He's cracking jokes. And then something shifts. He says he does comedy. I mean, that's a problem. But then he says something about like, I don't know how it started, but he says he's a moderate. And we're like, oh, do you suck? He goes, no, 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 I'm moderate. And this is my new question now that I'm going to ask anyone that thinks they're moderate. Before I get to know anyone from now on, I'm going to say, do you believe that children deserve free lunch at school? because if you don't believe in that, I don't want you next to me. I yeah. don't want to hang out with you. I don't want anything like that to me is like the core. Like if you are not... So I said, do you believe in freelance? He goes, no, pay for it. Tell your parents to get a better job. I go, so you think kids should not eat because their parents have bad jobs? He goes, yeah, it's not my problem. I'm a libertarian. Like, And it, I, I was oh like, my oh, God. my uh... this is what we're dealing with though. This is what we're dealing yeah. with. like. We think like we're all connected and like caring about stuff. This simple thing of like, we don't want children starving. And there are people that are just bartending at TomTom thinking they're normal, not wanting children to eat for free. Yeah,
1: and Lisa, I got to say, I thought you were just wanting to tell the story and you really did bring it around to what we were talking about. I should have yeah. never doubted you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, I guess she just wants to tell the Vanderbilt story. But yeah, it's that mentality. It's the same fucking mentality of this
2: bartender. You're exactly right. Like
1: this, We think like, we're the
2: same, yeah. but there are people who do not give a shit if kids are starving. They don't care. Yeah. Wow. And then Julie asks, do you believe in public education? And he goes, no, it sucks. And this is what we're fighting against. There is no both sides anymore. There is no moderate. There is no... no- and this guy thinks he's moderate. He's against public school and children eating for free. And he thinks he's moderate. <laughs> it's like, what do you think a radical is, bro? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're edging on right wing, my bro. Um, that's... But... And then, and then we started looking him up when we went to dinner. We And it was like... What, like his Insta? He he's not vaxxed. We found out he's not vaxxed. Nothing. Was he wearing a mask? Of course not. Oh my god! Bartending. What a piece of no, shit. no. He doesn't believe in it. Oh, and then Julie goes, "But you're you're pro abortion." He goes, "I, I mean, I'm pro choice, not pro abortion." And she said something to him about like well choice for masks and he goes you're right i am pro-abortion so at least we had one thing where he agreed he is (laughs) pro-abortion but i also i wish i asked him this because all these libertarians it's like do what you want but it's like but then you hate trans people right right but they can't but the bad like i just whatever once so i'm gonna write a joke about it this is my new hill to die on if you don't think children should eat for free i don't want you around me and you're a bad person and that's that yeah and we were talking maybe he doesn't Maybe he's never starved. Maybe he doesn't realize it. Maybe of to him, it's he just has a it. philosophical debate where he doesn't realize that like, it just sucks. And then we expect children to do well in school. And it, These kids are like, it's even worse, but it, it, it affects you. Not eating affects you. Yes. Not having like active parents in the home affects you. Trauma, all of these yeah. things like go in your being. And then we expect people to just like, thrive in this world it's sick it's sick i just know and it's like even that even
1: the consistency of knowing where that you were like you're going to get your meal at school you know like just knowing that you're always going to have that it must take so much stress off of kids and like yeah that's i mean yeah that's a great example of what this episode tried to show too was how yeah people just they're not looking at immigrants as people and it's fucked up but yeah, it's the Daniel Kaluuya Black Mirror, you know, where they're all bugs. Oh Did you see yes, that one? yes, yes, yes. The army one, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But you, the, our, people don't even need those glasses to make people look no. Like bugs. No, you don't need any kind of creepy people.
1: futuristic technology. You guys just have good old fashioned bigotry.
2: Yeah.
1: <sighs> Seeing the world through bigot colored glasses. All right, and listen. that it's a business.
2: I mean, it's this one is horrific, and we're living in it, and it's just sad.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping. I hope that the situation at the border is improving, but uh, I do <laughs> know that there's a lot of amazing organizations that are working to help uh, people at the border and immigrants and refugees. So. Uh, I would like to segue into what would Sister Peg do, our weekly segment where we t- give you guys an organization, an article, a book, a, a doc, something that will flesh out uh, today's topic with more information for you. So today we wanted to, I wanted to highlight this organization, Al Lado, which is um, Spanish for the other side. It's A L O. O-T-R-O-L-A-D-O.org, org, And this group offers free legal and humanitarian support to refugees, deportees, and other migrants on both sides of the US and Mexico border. I donated to them when this zero tolerance policy like first came into into Action and I've uh, I've always kept in touch with like what they're doing and I think that they have um, they do great work. Their work focuses on sympathetic understanding of the trauma that migrants go through in the immigration process. So um, we I love that approach and I, I urge everyone to go to allotrelato and see if you can find out more about what they do and donate a little bit if
2: you have the means. Thank you so much for that, Kara. That sounds like a good one. I feel like I'm going to get involved. Um, next week's episode will be Savior. Season eleven, episode fourteen. So join us, watch with us. VPN. I'm a VPN girl now, so you can do that. (laughs) She got the stick, y'all. She got that (laughs) VPN stick. (laughs) Me? Oh, is it a fire? I just thought it was like a fire stick. No, you. There is a stick.
1: There is a stick. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think there's some kind of stick. You're not crazy.
2: Um, Hulu, Peacock, and uh, oh, I'm gonna watch some Housewives now that I have a VPN. Oh hell yeah! I'm deep into
1: girls' trip now. I'm deep into the Berkshires.
2: Oh, yeah. It's good.
1: It's fucking dark, man. All right. We'll see you guys next week. We love you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
2: That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us
1: or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at that's messeduppod at gmail.com.
2: Follow the podcast on Instagram at that's Messed Up pod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glittercheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Annalise Nelson. And to our mixer, John Bradley. And to Henry Kaperski for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive
1: producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun-dun! Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.